Hi, I'm Eric, also known as v 47 from the Ranger Command Power Hour and the Starfleet Escape Podcast. You're listening to another great Four-Eyed Radio product. For more shows, check out foureyedradio.com. It's morphin' time! It's the Ranger Command Power Hour! Today on the Power Hour, episode 195, Ranger Command interview, The Eltarian War with Ryan Parrott, recorded on February 16th, 2022. Welcome to the Ranger Command Power Hour on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. Sound Ranger up with your host, I'm Eric, also known as Trekkie B47. This episode is brought to you by our patrons on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash rangercommandph to learn more about supporting Ranger Command Power Hour. Thanks to our $5 and above patrons, Charles D., Chris P., Steve F., AJW, Eric D., Jacob P., Steve M., Tyler B., Tyler W., Charlie N., Craig M., Liz M., Mason M., Jason O., Kevin R., Steve R., Hassan A., Bo H., Leland D., Josh P., Derek G., and Teresa B. for supporting us this month. Remember, you can always go to linktr.ee slash rangercommandph to learn more about supporting the podcast, as well as our Amazon affiliate link at amazon.com slash shop slash ranger command ph once again we are welcoming back ryan parrot to the podcast uh he's no stranger we had him on last month to talk about super massive and he's been writing all of your favorite power rangers books go go power rangers my morphin power rangers mmpr tmnt and just finished his run on mighty morphin and now ended the Altarian War with uh, Power Rangers 16. And his upcoming projects include the supermassive one-shot and Rogue Sun from Image Comics. Welcome back to Ranger Command, Ryan. Thanks for having me, man. And I am excited to be here to just talk about Boba Fett. That's what we're going to do, right? We're just going to talk about Boba Fett? <laughs> Hey, we can t- we can make this a Star Wars podcast. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. T- talk about Boba Fett all, all day long. <laughs> but but seriously, that yeah. uh, that was really freaking sweet. I I think the last episode of that it. Felt- oh, we're, we're talking about Boba Fett. I just wanted. To, I mean, you brought it up. <laughs> I'll do it, man. Let's go. <laughs> Let's bring it on. I don't know why it was so divisive online like i i get some of the structure kind of stuff but i mean you tie in all the mando stuff it's like it's a shared universe did people really want to wait a whole nother year before we found out what happened on mando's side i mean come on oh no i mean i will tell you this my wife didn't watch much of boba fett but the minute i told her grogu was in an episode she kind of wandered in and watched that episode so <laughs> and the minute he jumped into mando spoiler when he jumps into mando's yeah. arms again i i we were all we're like oh and i'm like all right like they're doing something right everybody uh but yeah look i know people who are involved in those shows so i, yeah. I will i will be uh, diplomatic in some things um i will say that as a kid and maybe this is like puts me just the the episode with Grogu and Luke was something that I'd wanted to see for 30 years and so that to me was like I I cried a little bit I'm not gonna lie like I I was so yeah it was so cool like you're like because I think every kid who got a lightsaber when their kid always dreamed at least it was me I dreamed of the idea of like Luke got older and Luke would become a Jedi master and he would teach people that's what I read that the 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 Zahn trilogy and all that stuff I love all that stuff so for me to finally see that and also how incredible that CGI was I was just like Holy moly, man. Well, it was I, I heard they got the deep fake guy. Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah. Like, oh my yeah. god, they killed it. But yeah. that that last episode, 
felt like my imagination dumping all my toys <laughs> on the living room floor and just playing a crazy battle scene. That's what it felt like. No, oh, that's for sure. I mean, they definitely put all their they they definitely pulled everything out for, uh, in, in the in the ending. They were just like, let's just do it. Let's get jetpacks and giant droids you've never seen before and rancors and everything. They went crazy. I have larger issues with the story. I think as yeah. well, I mean, yeah. like, look, I think Boba Fett as a character is pretty flawed. Um, mm-hmm. just isn't just in who he is because I, I I just felt I, I mean and I know it wasn't the goal of this but like it made me realize how much I enjoy Mando I, I don't mean that in a negative way but <laughs> sure, like it, sure, sure. it made me realize that I was like oh I, I like Mando because when he shows back up all of a sudden I was like bam you know I was like yeah. back into the story so like you know look it's a tough it, it's a tough story to, to tell I do think the thing that is what you just said which is so cool is that they're very aware of the fact that like it's they everybody can come in at any time in any series and, oh my god! Like, Cad and that's Bane, smart. I yeah. lost my. <laughs> well, that, what's awesome is that first shot you see him, and you're like, yeah. "No, that can't be." I, like you, you yeah. see the silhouette, and I was like, yeah. "Wait, are they doing what I think they're doing?" <laughs> yeah, and, and then, then he comes I, in and oh. he looks up, and you're like, "That's pretty good." <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and so that stuff, like, they there's a lot of fun stuff that they do that I think is really exciting and cool and, and about the show, and and the way it's done is is awesome, and and I do love that. Like, you just never know what you're mm-hmm. gonna get. Any episode, anything can happen, and I am such a fan right now of appointment viewing on Tuesday night at like yeah. you know midnight, yeah. like. I love that everybody talked about it and speculated for a week. I got like that stuff. I miss that so much. And say what you will about these Star Wars shows, but they really they they feel like every episode is just like something's going to drop and it's not and it wouldn't be the same if it was binge. I think if we binge these shows, they wouldn't we wouldn't feel the same because we'd all heard about the Luke thing, you know, 15 minutes after it dropped. Yeah. Or no, four hours after a drop and everybody had watched the fourth episode or whatever. Right? So like I miss I like all that stuff. But yeah, it's the same with like the Disney plus Marvel shows too. Mm-hmm. like y- you get that chance to breathe. And I love that. And, and you know, kind of moving it back to Power Rangers, like I felt like the Altarian War was your sandbox, like your toy <laughs> box to like play with Power Rangers and kind of like that. And we get month to month to absorb all these stories. Yeah, it's it's funny you said that because like in, it's actually I was thinking about this today because I was looking back. And I'm like, how many issues was Altarian War and Unlimited Power? I was like, 32 issues. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, my I'm sorry, everybody. That's a <laughs> lot. Like I went back like because I like like Court of Owls is only like nine or something like that or like eleven or then I was just like I'm twice as long as the Court of Oh my heavens so like I I do realize like sometimes like I me expecting people to remember something that happened in issue four of Mighty Morphin is a little much sometimes that's one of those things where I'm like well I mean trade might be interesting you might have a because yeah. I think you you get two very different reads right you get the read of month to month and everything sort of you know you get the expectation and the and you get the the conversation and all that stuff but then when you trade it and you read it if you just if you just read it when it comes out bam 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 like you might have a very very different a feeling about the the whole story it might feel more uh, it'd be interesting i wouldn't know if it if it feels more cohesive or if it feels less cohesive i don't know well well i i mean i've said this before like when when we reviewed the comics um just in our standalone episodes like when i'm getting you know a bunch of guys together and we're reviewing the comics and you know to prepare for that i you know, I kind of read these arcs in one go, you know, after I've read it month to monthly. And 
Um, you know, I, I've always said it hits a little different. It, it's definitely a, like the trade experience versus the month to month. Like that's why, you know, I collect both the single issues and the trades because right. I, I feel like, you know, going back and having one place to read all these is, is really important. Yeah. I've gone back. I just went back and reread GoGo because I was like, mm-hmm. I should go back and read that. And I was like, I don't remember any of this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, it's, it's weird when you read it. Like it's also just makes you realize how like little amount of stories actually actually in a comic book like it's just mm-hmm. pretty crazy you're like so when you read like a trade you're like that was only four issues all right we're through it next you know comics are amazing it's just an interesting medium they're just like they're so small in their doses but then i've sit down sometimes and i've read i remember i when when i first got invincible i think i read like 56 issues in two days during the pandemic i because i knew the amazon series was coming out and i i actually had never read invincible before and I borrowed it, you know, online through uh, the, the library app, mm. um, like my local library app. And they had every single volume it took because <laughs> I read like the entire Invincible series and it, it took like a, a couple weeks. But, you know, I was like going to bed. I'm like, oh, I can, you know, open the PDF and like, <laughs> yep, yep. I, I know it, man. Oh man. It, that's such a great series too. But, no, it yeah. is the best. It, it's the high water. It's the, it's the gold standard for me for, for like long form superhero storytelling. If, if, if rogue son can eclipse one, one hundredth of the quality of, 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 uh, Vince, well, I'd be a very, very lucky man. Very nice. So we kicked off when we talked about the Altarian War. We talked about that back in uh, November, which already seems like a lifetime ago. <laughs> um, so we covered a, a, a little bit about uh, Mighty Morphin issue 13. Was there any other thoughts uh, regarding that kind of kickoff to, to the Altarian War? Because a lot was set up in that issue. Uh, Mighty Morph 13. What happened in that? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it is days where like that, where I'm like, I have to look at the cover and I'm like, okay. Um, I think that was the big, that was just sort of where the kind of the aftermath of, of Zordon's tube and, and Billy yeah. and, and alpha kind of setting everything up. And then uh, the, the Rangers fighting Sentry force. Yeah. I think the goal of those was just to one. I always, this, I've said it before, but Century Force four was my goal. I'm not a huge fan of faceless, um, like mooks. I like face characters more than that because I feel like they have more personality and, and mm. it's like, look, when you watch the power Rangers fight the putties, you know, you're just waiting for them to win. So like, but when you face somebody that has like a face, you're just like, Oh, they might not win. So like, that's the reason I try to bring them in. But when it came to the, the Billy and the alpha of it all, um, the thing that I was trying to go from there from the beginning was like, if you looked at Zordon, sort of ultimate storyline like I wanted mm-hmm. it to, and I think maybe I said this and I apologize if I'm repeating myself um, is that I wanted this story to be about a crisis of faith I wanted it to be about taking the thing that Zordon was had identified himself which was a Zordon of Eltar and I wanted to have him go from there and take his faith and complete uh, trust in the fact that his home was the bastion of good and that everything that they did was they were the gold standard of the universe and that he needed to and that that was his church that was his religion right mm-hmm. and then have him slowly have to question that faith and ultimately have to turn against that a, that organization in order to save it from itself which I thought was an interesting parallel with Billy because if you look at the way he Billy at the beginning of that run when he goes to power the green the the, the dragon coin he's doing it because he he, he believes in Zordon but he doesn't think Zordon's right and so he's doing this for the be- yeah. to to save them in case something bad happens. And Zordon reacts very badly to that, which I thought was an interesting thing because he you know excommunicates Billy. He's going to replace him on the team and stops talking to him. And 
and he feels like betrayed by him and doesn't treat him well. And then ultimately, when he has to do the exact same thing to the Altarians, I liked the fact that Billy was the one who comes to save him. Billy mm-hmm. is the one who tells him that the guy that she traded, treated the worst is the one that comes to him and says, you're my hero. I believe in you. And, and don't worry about it. And I just thought that was what I wanted to pay off was that sort of like like that the person that has every right to be mad at you treats you the best is always an interesting story. So that was sort of the setup for that. Something that was also set up in, in Mighty Morphin 13, which paid off, well, kind of paid off in, in the finale was before Zed sends the, the minions off to do their thing. Uh, you know, he tells Finster, you know, I've got a very important task for you. One I've been looking forward to a very long time. And then we see all the way in this finale <laughs> in Power Rangers 16, Zed's pretty much like, did you do the thing? And <laughs> Finster's like, yeah, I did the thing. And, I did the thing. Yeah. And, and Zed's like, all right, great. I mean, it was like a payoff, but kind of like there was something more there. And now you're leaving Mighty Morphin. So it's oh, like, it, oh, I, I, I know what it is. I know <laughs> okay, what it is. Okay. Um, I will say this. I th- that came from and I, I'll be I'll be honest. With you, this is for the fans who care. This is I, I will be honest. This came from a conversation with my editor, Daphna, who was and it's one of those things that I I have done. Uh, for for almost my entire run of Power Rangers, and and it's a, it's I don't know if it's a mistake. It's just the 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 tragic nature of storytelling, mm-hmm. which is um, I I have never really had an opportunity to or not not I have probably had opportunity, but the way that I've crafted some of my stories, Zed has never been the lead villain in the stories that I've told. When mm-hmm. in Necessary Evil, uh, he Kia it was and- it was Kia, yeah, yeah, it was the Anointed. I use a lot of that, the EDs at the end, but it was uh, Kaya and the and the anointed and Zed's in there and he's part of the story, but he's ultimately sort of gets, you know, bottled up and, mm-hmm. and sort of takes a sidestep. And then when we got into the Imperials, the same sort of thing happened again. And so I got to the point to where uh, Zardis arrived and was you know, basically be going, I knew he was going to be the villain of the Altarian Wars. Daphne was like, you can't leave Zed doing nothing. He's a smart guy. We've we've tried to make him stronger. We've tried to make him powerful. We've tried to give him some depth. If he's just standing here watching these two people fight and not trying to take advantage of it in some way, we're doing his character a disservice. Mm -hmm. And she was right. And so, so we came up with another part of the story going, okay, if all this stuff is happening, what would he do and what could, how could he take advantage of the situation? It doesn't necessarily have to happen inside the Altarian war because I felt like I was already kind of running low on, I felt like there was a lot going on in those final issues already. So, um, but I was like, but that, but maybe this will be a good way to tee up and allow Zed to become the major villain in the next arc and actually let him let him have a proper a proper plot and a proper approach to things. And so that was the goal here was I have several ideas of what it could be and what I want it to be. And I have had those discussions with Matt and uh, we will see how that plays out in the future. But the other thing is it's there and we can use it whenever we want to. Uh, and yeah. so there's there's plants. There's been several things that have happened where like I plant something early in the run and then because of the way that the story shifted or changed sometimes that stuff got abandoned or it you know flipped or turned into something different but i just like that we i like the idea that we gave zed an opportunity to see the situation and go how can i turn it to to my benefit yeah moving on to power rangers uh 13 we get that opening narration by uh the blue emissary which we got hints before, like during the uh, Yale issue where, you know, we're kind of hearing the Blue Emissary's thoughts. And 
he's talking about safe Haven and he's talking about the master arch. And there's, you know, a line in there that the master arch can access every location, all of space and time. And then dot, 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 even the morphin grid itself. And we're seeing that being explored more in the new power Rangers universe series, especially like the, the morphin grid, because, you know, we see the morphinaut go into the master arch and actually go into the morphin grid. So I, I wanted to know if there was that conversation maybe with Daphna or, or Nicole Andelfinger, who's writing Power Rangers Universe, about aligning on this master arch concept. Yeah, very much so. I think that's the the one thing where like Daphne keeps me pretty pretty honest about stuff. Where where like I'll be like, I just wanted to because for me this was sort of we hadn't used the Master Arch in a long time. I we hadn't actually used it since Necessary Evil. Yeah. Yeah. So I couldn't I couldn't rely on people just automatically knowing what that would be. So I was like, okay, we'll use this as an opportunity to sort of remind people what the Master Arch is because we're going to use it a lot in in the Altarian War to sort of move people around and whatnot mm-hmm. um, because we've lost the Spectrum too. So let's figure out a way to sort of like it just made things a lot faster. And then as we were talking about what it was and there, I remember there was a version we talked about that was much much longer and I was like whoa 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 it was like I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to do the entire history of the morphin grid on the first page of this yeah and so we pared it back down but that line the idea that it uh it to be fair actually the fact that the master arch is designed the master arch was designed to access the morphin grid itself more right. than it was designed to go anywhere else it was designed by the morphin masters to when they left safe haven to actually go and become one with the morphin grid Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the whole goal of it. The fact that it actually can go anywhere on all in space and time and all in reality is actually kind of a bonus a side. Yeah, effect, it's like, yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, that's a nice bonus. So, yeah. So but yes, this was definitely while they were doing uh, Power Rangers Universe, we had many conversations about the narration mm-hmm. on this page to make sure that it didn't contradict anything. And there's been several times in this in these issues where like I'll. I'll throw I'll have a throwaway line and Daphne will be like, no, no, you can't do that because that contradicts something in the other book that we're doing. Mm. And she'll explain it to me. And I'm like, oh, because they're always being written at the same time. So sometimes right. you don't actually know. But yeah, it's nice. That's what the nice thing of having an editor who is detail oriented about the stuff. She can make sure that, you know, none of this stuff, hopefully knock on wood, doesn't contradict itself, which, you know, occasionally we mess up. But, you know, I love that Yale is almost essentially like the Groot of the team (laughs) because he just does a meow and Archon's like the voice chose him and, you know, they choose blah, blah, blah. And it's like, where'd you get that whole sentence, bro? (laughs) (laughs) My favorite thing is when like when they do the Morphin transformations, you haven't seen him yet, but there's coming up one where they do like the Morphin trail. They're like Omega firepower, Omega earth power. Meow. Like that. He's saying it and like, it's there. It's whatever he's doing. I, I, I definitely like the Groot element of him. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So this issue is like the all out ground battle issue, like just to kick off Altarian War. And I really like that we get to see all the Rangers uh, try to save Promethea and, and really battle it out. But the really interesting side story is Billy still escaping with Alpha 5 and Alpha 5 kind of saving the day with his drones. I, I love that. Oh, thanks. I remember putting the drones into like the first issue. And when they were like protecting, when they were sort of like guarding uh, Draken and yeah. yeah. And I was like, well, if, and I knew when we were in this thing, I was like, oh, oh, Alpha's got to bring the drones back out. Like we've already had them. They're there. And I like the idea of Alpha when, when stuff gets crazy, like he, he can do it. He's a robot. He's, he's not, he's not going to like 
go fisticuffs with you, but you know, he's smart and he can take care of himself. And, and I just like that little line. Nobody comes to my house and breaks my drones. He's just like, <laughs> <laughs> I get, I was like, I, I would love to hear the actual actors say that line. That would have been amazing. <laughs> During the ground fight, the Omega Rangers bust in through through the portal, kind of pr- to provide backup support and answer uh, the Mighty Morphin distress call. And one of the little moments that I really appreciated, and it feels like it it really connects, like there's that emotional weight to Go Go Power Rangers, is when Matt reveals his identity to to Zach because they haven't had a chance to connect ever since the green ranger appeared. So when I was like kind of reading fan reactions and stuff, they, they made it seem like it was such a, like a, a flippant thing. And like Zach's reaction was over the top. But I'm like, if you find out that your best friend from childhood, even before, you know, the whole gang, the whole mighty Morphin gang was, was assembled, planted those seeds of, of Matt and, and Zach being, like these, these childhood friends. I think that moment was great just from the comedic reaction of, of Zach, just like the, what? like, what's happening? <laughs> well, yeah. Like I wrote this scene and I got to this point on this page and I realized that they were, I I was writing the scene and I was like, okay, so the green Ranger's going to come in, do the great, the dragon strike. And I was like, well, who's in the scene? And I was like, right. I think I was writing like the fourth panel and I was writing, I was like, well, it's Zach and it's, and it's Aisha. And I was like, wait a minute does Zach know that Matt's the green Ranger? Like it just, it made me realize I was like, I don't think he actually knows yet. He hasn't had that opportunity to say. And so I was like, Oh, this is going to be perfect. And I just loved the idea that they jumped down there and it's like, Hey man, what's up? No green Ranger. And just like the thing fades away. It's like, Hey Zach. And this, the panel of look and like, what? <laughs> just like, like he just was like just that moment of like it, like there's so much commotion going on. The idea that Matt would just like whoosh and like the look on Zach's face of just like why didn't anybody tell me? Like I just thought that was such a fun thing to have happen in the middle of the in the battle. And maybe it's over the top, but I just thought that's my. I just thought what's his, what would his reaction be if his best friend from when he was a kid suddenly was a Power Ranger and no one told him? I just thought he would just be like in shock. And I, I'm that that seemed on that seemed honest to me. Yeah, it's it's a great uh, Zach reaction for sure. <laughs> so we we finally get to see a little bit of uh, Yale's abilities, especially when uh, he takes on Zag and kind of just jumps him through the portal and and slams him. Uh, I love Kim's line, like, "Oh, you're totally joining the team." <laughs> <laughs> There's also a line uh, when. Tommy is kind of reconnecting with Jason and is like, Hey, there's a, is there a dog on your team now? And uh, Jason's like, it's an alien cat actually. Was that kind of like a, I, I don't want to say dig at the fans or anyone, but I know kind of early on there was like, wait, is like, what is Yale? Oh, I mean, I, I didn't mean it as a deal. I think in some <laughs> ways that was me. Like I, like, I just think it's funny that some people are like, how dare Yale be a, a ranger? I'm like, doggy Kruger folks like yeah I, I mean come real. on like get off like <laughs> give me a break here like you got cavemen in certain situations like come yeah. on also it's an alien it's not a house cat it's an yeah. alien it can be anybody any alien can be well you don't know he could be the most Yale could be uh, speaking in whale talk and be 10 times smarter than anybody that we know it's an alien so just because he looks like a cat you automatically assume that it's a feel like it's like come on so that was my feeling on the on the situation but I just like the, the so one of the things about when you do a lot of action is just like I I always try to find different ways to try and make it a little more fun because it's like it can get a little 
stiff, I think, if everybody's just doing the whole, sure. I'll get you and you stop this. And like, so you try to use the, the fight sequences to either, you know, get through some exposition or to get through some emotional stuff. And it just seemed like an opportunity for Tommy and Jason. I always kind of look at their relationship as being a little like gung-ho. The episode, it's gung-ho, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, it's always a little competitive. Just, but like fun competitive they're friends but yes. like if you if they were going to go play one-on-one -on -one basketball and you were like they're going to play all night like they're not going to stop like they're going to they're going to play all out you've got two alpha males as friends exactly yeah. and so that was my approach to like in a weird way like that tommy's kind of like taking a dig at him he's like is there a dog on your team and he's just <laughs> like you know like okay like just that's the way that i see them a little bit is like they they are friends and they care about one another but they like i said they are two alphas who will get on each other but no it wasn't meant as a as a dig to anybody oh, okay. <laughs> i totally know some people don't like yale and i know some people love yale so i'm fine with both and then this is a pretty shocking way to to end this part of the book because it's the first fourth of the Altarian war and we see Promethea being destroyed. We see the Moon Palace being destroyed. And then when we, we get to it, Billy escaping through the portal and actually confronting the minions. And we also see the command center being destroyed. And then Zardis claiming Earth for the Altarian Empire. So how did you feel blowing up these iconic locations? Oh, the catharsis was incredible. <laughs> I'll tell you the fun answer. And then I'll tell you the other thing that I think I spoke to you off the record, but I'll bring it up here too, is um, for me, it was just like, we've seen the Imperials blow up entire planets. Yeah. And so like, it felt like if I'm going to bring him in here, they got to arrive with a little bit of authority. And so it just felt like there was an opportunity here just to start the war of going, you know what, let's see what happens. Let's take away the safety net. And that meant, you know, getting rid of the command center, getting rid of Promethea and even getting rid of them. And then I liked the moon palace because it was like, it showed Zardis's tactical. He's like, all right, let's, there's a scorpion on my back. I'm not going to wait for it to sting me. And so I wanted to come in there and just have these guys. They, I've been saying the Imperials are tough, so I wanted to at least try and show off some of that ability. Um, mm -hmm. There was a, a very early version of the outline here where there was a character who was going to die in the blast. And that mm. character, and I can tell this, and I hope they won't get me in trouble, was going to be Skull. And oh, okay. this is where he was going to die. Because you set it up that Bulk and Skull were there recording exactly. everything for Promethea, right? Exactly. Right. There was a version where I was going to do that. And what the story was going to play out was, was Skull was going to kind of uh, like Incredible Hulk Bulk a little bit, uh, uh, where he was going to push Bulk into safety and then take the blast as it was going to go through. And Bulk was going to see his friend, you know, get annihilated. Oh um, not, not completely destroyed, sure, but sure, like sure. hit really hard and killed. And ultimately what the story was going to be was I'd set up, I think if you read it's Power Rangers number one, I think it's number one, Power Rangers number one, there is a scene where Babu talks about uh, having a potion that if you drink it can bring the dead back to life, but it costs you your, uh, your, you're like you die in, in, it's like your life energy goes into them kind of thing. It, mm -hmm. And I was setting that up because what I ultimately wanted to have happen was Candace would learn about that potion mm. somewhere along the line and that at the end of the Altarian War, she would come, she would drink that potion, she would bring Skull back and she would pass. And it was a reverse of Romeo and Juliet. I wanted to do a Romeo and Juliet story with the two of them uh. and that and that's why she would she would leave the story. Ultimately, it fell out because one, I had overpacked my last four issues. Like I just had too much sure. going on. And it was a really like it was a really hard needle to thread 
um, yeah. to be able to make it work. I also didn't, I liked Candace slash Zelia. I liked that character. I liked that I could, and then ultimately being able to set her up as sort of the, the next Supreme Guardian felt like a more satisfying arc for the character than the sacrifice. And so it just felt, I don't know, it just felt out of place. I liked it, what I liked the intention of it. I liked sort of the tragedy of it. I liked the idea that Skull wouldn't ultimately, would never actually know what happened. Bulk was going to be the one that know and Bulk would never tell him. So like it got complicated. Sure. Uh, but ultimately I just felt like, and, and you know, so like that's the story. Uh, if anybody wants to, well, here's this. But like I ultimately <laughs> ended up pulling it away just because it felt, you know what? It felt weird to have this huge story going on with, it, with Bulk dealing with the death of Skull. But I don't think I was ever going to have enough room to actually make the emotional weight of that real. It would have mm, been, right. I would have had to really rush through all of it. And it would, I think it would have felt cheap. So, mm -hmm. so that's some behind the scenes stuff. I don't usually share. Wow, there, there you go. Awesome. <laughs> Moving on to Mighty Morphin 14. We kind of start off with what we think is a flashback and it, it is Zordon's uh, memory where it confirms that the assassin that poisoned him uh, introduced uh, uh, this neurotoxin, uh, which is slowly killing him. And the doctor gives him about five years and we see that first page. And then on the second page, boom, we see Billy and the blue emissary. And we don't find this out until later in the story, how this came to be. So why, why this type of introduction? Because we're kind of seeing a glimpse into the future a little bit. It's like setting it up before it yeah. sets it up. Yeah, it's the time is a flat circle thing, right? Yeah. It's sort of like, yeah. I think one, uh, when he pitched the idea of doing a flashback and Zordon was already sort of, now Zordon is sort of lost. And the last time he saw him was the was the destruction of the tube. I was like, well, he's lost somewhere in his memory. And I was like, well, if he's lost somewhere in his memory, then time is kind of fluid. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like, well, there was an opportunity here to do something kind of cool. I, I kept opening each one with a flashback. It'd be kind of neat to sort of subvert expectation a little bit and realize, oh, it's not really a flashback. It's it's different. It's a different type of it's actually part of the, the narrative story. And and so that was something I liked. And also, I liked that there I wanted to have there be some consequences for his sacrifice trying to save Zofram, which was that like his body was ultimately breaking down. And there was a what I kind of like, maybe it's just for me, but like the idea that like had Rita not sabotaged however she did it, you know, and he got destroyed, mm -hmm. his body got destroyed and he got turned into tube. It's possible he, he like it was actually that's actually a weirdly a blessing in disguise because he wasn't going to survive that long anyway. And so he might have been there. He might have been in the end of his life. So that was the thing that I thought was kind of it was like a weird tragedy to that, that 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 there was consequences to that battle. But that was what I was thinking. And then I, it also just like I like that it set up this idea that that he was sort of lost in his memories and that Billy and, and the Blue Emissary were looking for him. Um, I know it's confusing when I originally conceived that I hadn't once again, hadn't realized that, you know, preview pages come out a week beforehand and people were going to read this and right. totally understand. <laughs> yeah. So they were going to be even more confused. Uh, so that's something that you never, I've never haven't gotten used to, but I just like the idea of sort of subverting the, the use of the three page flashbacks that I've made a staple of the series. And, and I like that, you know, we're seeing Zordon in, in kind of like this, you know, almost this like Supreme guardian get up. And previously in Gogo, we had seen Zordon be there for for the birth of of Rita. So mm. I, I'm just kind of wondering, like timey wimey shenanigans, like what uh, kind of like the 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 timeline on that. 
Well, I think he ultimately gave up uh, the Supreme Guardianship to somebody else. I don't know who that was, but I think at some point he probably did. Uh, maybe he gave it to Zardis. I don't know. But I, I felt like when you meet him that, at the birth of Rita, I felt like that was like Sage Zordon. Like I felt like he had stepped oh, okay. away from Supreme Guardian and given that to somebody else. And now he was more like the retired ambassador. That's the way that I saw him a little bit. I could be wrong, but that was just the way that, cause I know he becomes a sage and sage isn't really a warrior. So unless I'm misunderstanding the term. So that was the way that I saw it. And I remember when, you know, he was actually talking to King Lexian from uh, Edenoi and, yeah. you know, that was like the height of the war and, you know, everything going on there. So, yeah. yeah, like I feel like, but I, in that version, I thought he was like, even in that version, I thought he wasn't like the Supreme Guardian. Like, I felt like mm -hmm. he was looking for the, the, the morphin, the, the, the power. Like, I felt like it was like, I will like Supreme Guardian is like the head of everything, right? They're sort of the head of the military. But then I felt like you could step away there and still be involved in the war, but you're doing other things. You're yeah. doing ambassadors. You're going to other planets. You're searching for weapons and dealing with other things. And I felt like that's what he was doing um, mm -hmm. was like, he was, he was doing more specialized missions and, and looking for the power coins and trying to find ways to, to win the war outside of the actual conflicts. And if they, you know, if a giant attack came, he would definitely step <laughs> in and help. But like, but like he was not, okay, this is a bad example, but like the way that Morpheus in The Matrix Reloaded is not the guy in charge of everything, but he's like the yeah. one of the most respected. That's the way I saw it. Okay, got yeah. it. And we have this conversation between uh, Jason and Kim because they finally uh, get to reconnect after all this time. And it's, it's pretty emotional because... Um, and we talked about this before, how Kim is standing up for Zordon, but also standing up to Zordon, um, because, you know, later in the arc, or I think it was, it was earlier, earlier. like, yeah. um, where she says, we're not going to escalate the battle. We're, you know, we're not going to ignore Zordon's rules just because he's gone. And Jason with this attitude, like, you know, I just don't want you guys to go on a suicide mission and, She's like, wow, you know, for someone who doesn't care what Zoran thinks, you sure sound like him. So I really like that kind of callback and definitely some consequences for uh, Jason kind of going off on his own, which kind of kicked this whole thing off. Yeah, I mean, that was the goal a little bit was like, I don't think it's a situation where Kimberly's like taking a side. She doesn't believe Zordon's right or Jason's right. And in fact, in fact I think she's her own woman here. And she's yeah. basically saying, you guys are both saying the same things. You're both acting the same way. And I don't like that. Um, and it's like, yeah, like, don't be because she's in, in some way she's calling Jason a bit of a hypocrite here because yeah. it's just like you went up against Zordon because you didn't believe in him. And now you're telling me that I can't go up against you. And it's that same thing of like, do what I say, not what I do. And and that's I, I and one of the things I've always loved about writing Kim is Kim doesn't back down to anybody. Kim will tell anybody she is not intimidated by anybody who is in a position of power because she believes in her own convictions. She believes in what she thinks is right and wrong, and she has no problem telling you the fact. And that, and I've always liked using her in that way because I think you know it comes out of a place of friendship and not out of a and I told you so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but this is definitely a big part of Jason's arc in this moment is like when he left, um, when he turned against Zordon and sort of did his own thing and took track and like he's basically said, OK, I'm the one in charge now. I'm going to I'm going to make the decisions. I'm going to try and and lead this thing. And he's sort of seen things go right and wrong a lot of the ways. But I think this is the moment where she's kind of saying it's like it hasn't really worked. 
And, and you know that, and don't forget that you were rebellious against somebody because you didn't agree with them. So you, and, but your answer to not agreeing with you is to obey and not talk. And so what I, what I like about this moment is it's the moment that Jason realized, okay, I've got to, I got to actually listen as opposed to just telling people what to do. Yeah. We see Billy connect with the morphing grid and with the emissary, much like Trini did, like Trini's kind of passing on that, that same knowledge uh, to Billy and he gets it right on his first time, uh, which, which I think is, is great, obviously, because the, the blue emissary really wants to help uh, directly. What was the idea also just to have Yale there as well? Is it just because he was also the nearest Blue Ranger or is the emissary still feeling a little bit guilty or, or still has that soft spot for Yale? Oh, I think it was just more of the idea that like the connection between the emissaries and the people that wear their colors are is stronger than mm-hmm. normal. And the idea that like the Blue Emissary might have an actual direct, like you've seen the Blue Emissary has a direct link to, even after his death, has a direct link to Yale. He could speak to, to Yale. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the idea that he was, you know, and the idea that he would he would use Yale to get Billy to, you know, step into the morphin grid in a sense and basically reconnect to, with them. I just thought that the idea that all the, let's get all the Blue Emissary, like all the Blue Rangers together to, to go on this, like the strength and power of all of them connected might be better than them apart. So that was more the idea of just having Yale come along because it's a blue road trip. Yeah. I'd like that we get a page of, of bulk essentially having the interview of his lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> now I, I, I just like that moment because it's, it's showing that Zardis is really playing this. He's trying to look like he's being benevolent and doing this for the good of earth, but we know that's not the case. Oh Yeah. And any villain thinks they're the hero of their own story. So yeah. it was fun to have him sort of play the. And also we've shown he's shown that he's more of a politician than he is than anything. Mm-hmm. He's a he lies and tells he'll never tell anybody that he's like, oh, I'm in charge. And it's the way it is. If he doesn't have to, he'd prefer to make it sound like he's a hero and that he's there to save you. And that, that's the best way to do it. Right. That's like no one tells you that the bad guy. Yeah. Um, but the best part about I was like when I realized I was like, oh, man, like what's this artist doing? And I was like, well. Vulcan Skull are there. <laughs> We've got the Ranger Danger Power Hour. Like, you know, the Ranger Station. I was like, let's do that. Let's have. <laughs> and I just love that he like gets it all wrong. <laughs> he's just like Supreme Commander. I'm sorry, Zordon of Zardus of Eltron. Like the idea that he's just the worst person. Who's the worst person to be interviewing the invaders of space from alien invaders? And I also like the double meaning of the ending where he's like, well, welcome to the revolution. Like there's like an implication that <laughs> right. like, guys, like, we're in trouble trouble here and i just thought there was just a fun thing to be played here but like yeah you know there's so much action in the last ones it was nice to have a little bit of a downbeat and and have bulk get his in 15 minutes absolutely and then we get a break with the people who survived the promethea explosion with zach tommy aisha and and matt and there's some great conversation here because uh zach is is reconnecting with tommy and kind of getting the lay of the land i like that foreshadowing where zach tells tommy you know stop being so hard on him because you may end up needing his help that was pretty much a seed for what happens later in this arc right yeah i thought you know it was zach being able now that zach knows that that was matt like zach knows matt better than everybody matt and zach were best friends before Mm -hmm. the group came together so he has a unique perspective on matt that other people don't do and he's also really really 
close to to Tommy. So he can kind of be that mediator. Like this isn't to say that that Tommy's um, criticism of Matt's actions aren't valid all right, the time. Right. I'm not saying that. Like it's just that there's it's because of who Tommy is and their relationship and just the fact that he's wearing his old armor and and not playing by the rules. Like yeah. Matt's just not going to listen to Tommy because of Kim and all of it. It's a complicated relationship. I wanted sort of Zach to sort of say that. Basically, Zach's vouching for him, being like, you trust me and I trust that guy. So yeah. come on, man. Just re- like you're, you are the leader, which means that you have to be the bigger man here. Matt's not going to do that. That was the implication. I don't know if that's what it was that how ultimately how I was, if I was able to articulate that. But that's what I thought that Zach was saying here. He wasn't telling Tommy that he's right or wrong. He's just like, you're the leader of the Power Rangers. If Matt likes Kim, Kim's with you. You already won. So you can be the bigger man and not lose anything. Like, go for that. That was that exactly. was my that was the idea. Yeah. Before we talk about the villains, I, I do want to talk about the whole scene where Billy finally uh, convinces Zordon and um, Zordon really tackles his um, emotions and kind of all of his feelings. And out of the entire arc, just from like a personal and just like from like the emotional aspect of of the whole arc, I really, really got a lot out of this scene. And just the whole conversation between Billy and Zordon was something that just really resonated emotionally. And I just like it because we've seen that whole buildup of Billy betraying Zordon and just kind of this emotional roller coaster. when in the end, Billy just wants to help out and he sees Zordon as, as so much of, uh, of a mentor. So can you talk a little bit about this scene? Cause I think it's a great payoff with the fruit tree and, and yeah. just everything that they talked about. Yeah. I knew when I wrote that scene where like, he was just talking about the time that he was like, like there was a scene where he was talking, I think it was in like money Morphin, like, five maybe four i can't remember um where he talks about where billy's eating lunch and zordon kind of makes a joke about wanting to eat lunch and just goes on a little bit of a talk about when what it was one of his happiest moments and i knew that i was planting that to be when his canister was destroyed that's where he would go that would be the last place and that billy would know that mm-hmm. um and so that was always set, set up for the game i wrote that i planned that out like a year and a half in advance which is pretty cool like i'm, yeah. I'm very yeah i'm like good job ryan um <laughs> uh Patting myself on the back. But like, that was what I knew this moment was going to be. And I just liked the, and I, I said it earlier, like I liked the idea that at like the last moment before he could like fade into the grid, that Billy would come to him and basically, and which is cool is like, if you look at him, they're like, they're like almost the same age. If anything, yeah. I think Zordon's actually younger than him here, which is kind of an interesting thing. They're like this idea that like, they are the same person in a weird mm-hmm. way. They're the same age. They make the same mistakes. And for, for any frustration that readers had in Zordon's actions throughout the first part of Unlimited Power, um, I was hoping that this scene would, that's what all those moments were. Anytime he yeah. would yell at the, the Omega Rangers, anytime he was getting rid of Billy, anytime he was being unreasonable with anyone, it was designed that he was coming out of his faith and his belief that Eltar was right and that you had to be authoritative and that, that it, like you can't question the faith, you can't question people above you. And the idea that 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 his infirmity and belief in that would had blinded him from and and turned the people that it's actually exactly what Kimberly says. He's like, we've lost all these allies because you've turned everybody away from us because of your beliefs. And it was his this moment of sort of realizing that mm-hmm. it was this is the moment he realized I did that. I screwed up. I was too 
rigid and I was too locked into my beliefs. And because of that, it cost me everything. But in that moment, I also looked at Billy Billy's like, we all make mistakes, man. Like I made mistakes and we're fine. We're still here. It's not over. It's not over until you give up and we're not getting, I'm never going to give up on you. And so that's the way I love that. He uses the, the things that he learned from Zordon to save Zordon. That's the stuff that hopefully fathers and like, man, there's stuff that my dad is taught me that I'm like, hey, you remember when you told me that thing? And he's like, oh, wow, I never thought of that. Because, you know, our parents, even when they teach us good, good lessons, sometimes they forget and they make mistakes. And so we have to remind them. And so I, that was what this goal was, was just sort of, yeah. I wanted to break Zordon down to where he literally thought this is it. This is his low point. This was the moment that he sort of thought he, and he kind of gave up. He was like, he didn't want to deal with it anymore. He, he, he was so embarrassed about his actions and so disappointed in himself that he went back to the, the happiest moment he had left expecting to be done. And the Rangers wouldn't let him go. And uh, hopefully if any of us ever reach that, we have people around that don't let mm-hmm. that happen to us. So I have to shout out Marco Renna. Uh, oh yeah. The, the, the artist, because that panel transition where it's like young Zordon and then Zordon snaps out of it and he's back to, to Zordon. Uh, I absolutely love that. I thought it was subtle. It was super yeah. effective. Like the, the glowing white eyes is, is it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. Yo, I mean, look, I stand Marco. I am. Yeah. Uh, I am. Oh, a, yeah. I'm a Marco stand. I, I think he is absolutely. Uh, that's the way you use that. Right. That's what the kids right, are using. Right. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I love Marco. Marco is absolutely phenomenal. I, I, I love the way he directs every page. Um, he, the amount the way he controls emotion, everything. I, I, I don't, this is the best thing I'd say. I don't have any notes for him ever. I don't mm-hmm. give him notes. I've never mm-hmm. given, I don't know if I've given, I've done 16 issues with him and I don't know if I've ever given him a note. That's and awesome. that's not because I'm lazy. I'm no, literally no. just like, he just gets it. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to use, he knows how to, how to control the eye. He knows how to create body language. He knows how to, he makes everything seamless. He makes me look like I know what I'm doing. And there are moments when I just throw that on the page and I'm like, eh. And then I take credit for it later too. <laughs> and then, um, you know, finally we, we get this round table with uh, the Rangers and the Minions and I like the scene before that where Rocky's talking with Goldar, but then the rest of them are kind of talking about their future on, on the beach, which kind of comes full circle, you know, when they have to make that choice at the end of the arc. Do they go and stay at Safe Haven or, you know, do they stay with Zed? And Babu says in this issue, why do we fight for Zed? Yeah, this actually came out of a byproduct of I didn't realize that they were going to play a big part in the finale. I didn't realize mm-hmm. that I'd written it in the outline. I'd gotten to the point where I was like, I knew that I wanted the finale to be Zordon Zed and Zardis. But I was like, what are the minions doing? Like, I can't mm-hmm. like, do I lock them up in cages or like, do I are they captured by the Altarians? Like, what do I do with them? And I, I thought and that this also came out of the concept of like, Okay, if Zed's gonna take advantage of the situation, he needs, needs to use use the means in some way. And so I was like, okay, I'll just send him down to the planet. And then when I blew up the the Moon Palace, I was like, well, now what do they do? <laughs> and so <laughs> and so I I got them on a safe haven, and they were there. And it was at this moment when they were on safe haven that I was like, if they think Zed's gone, what are they gonna do? And because mm-hmm. and so and it's one of those things where when when sometimes I write and I don't have the answer, I just have the, the characters ask the question that I'm trying to figure out and they kind of tell me and I and I like this concept. And if you go back to the very first issue, they have a conversation at the very beginning of yeah. whether or not they want to Zed's dead on a table and they're like, 
what do we do? Even Babu says it at the beginning. Do we want him to wake up? Do, is, it, is this, <laughs> right. we, we don't have the same, they're dealing with the same stuff that we do. We don't have the same allegiance to Rita. We all know that we love Rita, but he's not, he doesn't care about us. And do, so why do we care about him? And so I like the idea that they get to sort of reapproach it at this moment of them going, what do we do? And so there's a little bit of a loyalty of like, let's just play the best side. And I knew when I wrote this scene, I was like, okay, if I'm going to ask the question of why they stay with Zed, and I know they're going to stay with Zed, I have to come up with an answer that makes sense. And mm -hmm. so that's when I realized, and we can talk about that when we get to that issue, but like that was that was the goal was like, they posed a question because I didn't know the answer. And then I was like, well, this, I went back and looked at, I actually went back and thought about it and thought, why would they stay? Like logically, why would they stay? And the only answer I could come up with was Rita. Yeah. And the to be continued page, we get the full shot of Zordon's uh, new El Eltarian armor body. So I just wanted to ask like, what was the thoughts behind this suit of, of armor. I, we know it's something that Billy has been working on in the background. Were there any design considerations for how this was going to look or who designed it? Dan Mora did a lot of it. I knew from the beginning that I want Zordon to get out of the tube and I wanted to fight alongside the Power Rangers. I've never seen that before. And I wanted to fight Zed. Those were the two things that I like wrote down when, I, when they were like, hey, you want to write some more Power Rangers? I was like, these are the things I want to do. How can we get there in a way that hopefully feels earned? And so I knew that I wanted it to be like, I want to see Zordon fight alongside the Rangers. I was like, that's what I want. And so we talked about it a long time. And so the design stuff was, there was like a, I was like, let's just make it a cool mech suit. I didn't want it to be like Robocop 2. You know, I didn't want it to be like, <laughs> like seven feet tall or any of that stuff. So I was like, let's make them tall. Let's make them big, but let's not like go overboard. And so I think there was like one version that was really blue and silver. And then I think it was actually Dan who was like, can we incorporate some of the colors and design stuff from the command center, like the tech there, the colors of the spirals and the yeah. stuff on the side. And so then we went back because he looked too much like Mr. Freeze, to be honest. And so they were like, let's let's put some of those colors back into it and then adjust it accordingly. So, yeah, it's it's not actually like a body. Well, it's a giant. It's just like a giant containment chamber that happens right. to have arms and legs. Yeah. So there's no bones or any of that stuff. You talked about the seven foot tall kind of Robocop, too. But essentially, that's what zero zero is. Yeah, exactly. Well, that was part of it too, was the idea of, I didn't want it to look too much like zero zero because we'd already just used that one. So that yeah. was, that was a consideration too. That one, when my pitch was, I was like, can we have a mech alpha five? And they're like, yes. <laughs> so moving on to power Rangers 14, there's no time being wasted because they go straight to the Altarian uh, command ship. Uh, Zordon beams in or, or portals in with Jason and, and Trini and I love that he's trying to reason with the guards and they're under Zardis and they're not really listening. So I just love that all these lines kind of are in some way of like a variation of, you know, may the power protect you. And then, you know, Zordon here's like, and not even the power will protect you if you try and stop me. Yeah. I love how this direct assault happens, but I think it's in this issue where he even says that fighting along alongside you guys is like, like this is the best. 
well, that was the thing where I was like, I wanted the moment where Zordon was fighting alongside the Rangers because it's something he talks about early on, how that's all what that's all he ever wanted was he hates sending them into battle. He's been in this tube and all he does is send kids into battle and pray they come home every time. And that weighs on him and he doesn't like doing that. And I think also considering you've seen him fight alongside in the flashback, you've seen him fight alongside people and how he protects people. And that's what he, he always throws himself into harm's way whenever possible to protect his friends and allies. Like that even makes it as doubling down on that. But the, the thing that was kind of hard when I realized, so I wrote that and I was like, okay, this is going to be this awesome cathartic moment. He's going to be running with Jason and, and Trini and they can like work out all that. Like he can just be like happy. But then I was like, he's fighting his own people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh man. And I realized like, I got to have him conflicted. Like he even says it. He's like, this is the best day of my life and the worst day of my life. Like, like this idea that he, he is so angry at what has become of the people that he, like, these are all his people that he would never want to harm in a million years, but he's seen them do horrible, horrible things. And that fury is what fuels him and makes him even more like, he's like, I am not going to give up. And so the cathartic moment kind of shifted and turned into more of a, finally, I can be the one to hopefully set things right personally. And mm-hmm. so that was where it turned. And, and so it kind of shifted a little bit because I wanted it to be more fun and exciting, but it ended up, I was like, he can't be joking while he's beating up his own people. Like he can't do yeah. that. So it needed to be much more about, I don't want to do this, but I will. And how dare you? Like, it's more like, okay, I was starting to think of this a little bit. It'd be like somebody who was a devout Christian going up against who, who believes that the Ku Klux Klan is absolutely who says they're Christians and it's like, no, you are not like, it's more that, right. It's the, right, right. it's, it's like, how dare you, how dare you do this in Eltar's name? And so like, that's where it became more about the fury of it all than it became about the enjoyment. Yeah, absolutely. And this whole mission was not only to free Zella, but also take command of, or at least get their hands on the shard. So when Zardis kind of teleports off, teleports away, you know, Zordon kind of breaks them off. And, you know, there's this moment where Trini and, and Jason are like, what are, you, what are you talking about? We can't leave you. Like, um, you know, Zordon's trying to like give them orders, but they're like, you're crazy. We can't leave you. And so he says to, to Jason, I think this is like the, the great moment of, Zordon forgives Jason for going off, but he said, uh, lead the others. They respect you. And I couldn't be prouder of you than if you were my own children. So that's the moment that bygones are bygones. We're just fighting for earth. Yeah. I do think that Zordon I've written Zordon from the beginning that, that he thinks of the power Rangers as his kids. And he Mm -hmm. talks several times at many points about how he, all he really ever wanted was like, to live a normal, like a simple life and, and farm and and have children. And he doesn't, he can't ever do that. So these are his surrogate children. And, and I, and I think what I liked was the idea that at the beginning, he literally says, you know, in the, in in mighty Morphin number or power Rangers number one, when he sends, when Jason's like, your way is not the only way. It's just like, we may disagree on things, but I have the most respect for you that like, it's that thing of like, this is his moment of saying, I'm proud of you. I don't think I said that before and I probably should have. And like, I might be angry at what you did, but know that I think that you are like Jason's questioning himself as a leader. And Zordon just said, you are the leader that they need. You don't need me. 
And so mm-hmm. who's better than the father to tell the son, hey, like you're you're good. You don't need it. And I if only I, I feel kind of bad. I wish the shot had this is my fault. I put it should have put it and I should have given it more room. You should you should see Jason's face when he says that. And then unfortunately it's not here because I was trying to get all the action and stuff. But like I think that it would have been cool to see Jason and Trini's reaction to to all of that. And mm-hmm. maybe it should have been all of them as opposed to, well, he's not really saying just to Jason. He's saying to both of them. He's saying, right, you know, right, right. Lead, lead, both of you guys are the leaders. Go do this. You are my children and I might disagree with you, but I love you. And that's why I like because throughout this entire run, we've seen how much Trini has has grown as a leader. And that calls back to all the way back in, in Go-Go Power Rangers, like with the color switch and, you know, <laughs> her getting more confidence in her abilities. So it, it's it's just really nice to see these characters just continue to evolve and, and, and grow like this. What do you see my next my next Power oh, Rangers story? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So we get uh, a couple knockdowns. Tommy gets kind of shot in the back uh, when they go back to Earth. And even the Green Ranger gets uh, knocked around a bit from Century Force 4. And we get this great shot of uh, Grace with the, the Psycho Green dagger. And, and she's like, you want him? Come and get him. And then the awesome teleportation in of pretty much just the, the, the backup forces and, <laughs> and, and, and squat saying, you know, power up with, with the Rangers. It's so great. Thank you. That's my favorite line of the whole thing is the idea that like, they're all like power and just and squats like power up. It's like, dude, it's like, I got excited. Like, it was exciting. <laughs> Who doesn't want to do that? And so like, he's a fan like us. And so uh, that was the thing, but yeah, the grace moment I thought was really important because I was like, she's been slightly antagonistic toward the Rangers for like a long time. Mm-hmm. And, and it just seemed like there was a moment of like, it's that thing where like, She's never going to tell the Rangers that she thinks they're brave and great and all that stuff. She's going to be sort of like, whatever, like she's, she's sort of aloof about that stuff. But the idea that someone would, she knows what these kids are doing to save this planet. And even if they don't do what she always thinks is the right thing to do, she's the same thing. She's like, these kids are amazing and there's no freaking way that I'm going to let them, let you touch them. And I just thought, I like that she's doing that and really no one sees it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's all she that's how, you know, it's real is when she's not doing it to, to sort of like put on airs. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the as you've read a lot of my Power Ranger books, I am a man who loves an entrance. And so uh, <laughs> a page turn to reveal someone coming in to save the day. That is my bread and butter. So, yeah, this is number 246 <laughs> where I've had someone do that. So, yeah. I I love this. And uh, we get such a great sequence between the Power Rangers forces uh, versus the Altarian forces. And and we get to see a lot of pair ups that that we don't see in in this whole fight. uh, Did you have any like favorite team ups or can you talk about why you you teamed up some people against others? Um, I think I liked. I mean, Squat's great with everybody. Like he just doesn't like Squat's just a fun character. He's just like he's a big kid. Uh, So like putting him with like the smartest kid I thought was funny. Like he's just like super excited with Billy. So I was like, okay, who's the smartest guy? Let's put him with the dumbest guy. We'll do a pinky in the brain kind of approach. Um, and I also like the fact that when Jason, <laughs> when Billy is fighting against zero zero, like they're just complimenting each other about how cool the tech yeah. is. It's just like, cause that was my other goal was I didn't yeah. want you to think that like, I don't think that the, that century force four is like evil. I think they're soldiers. Right. Uh, right. I think one of them is not a particularly nice person. Like I think Zenith is a particularly, yeah. I think Zenith has some issues, but I think Zenith has some issues. I think Zag and zero zero are pretty 
open. They, they're fighting for what they think is the right thing. Right. And then you've got Zeta, who is the dutiful soldier. And so it, those that's the way I wanted to present them. Mm-hmm. But it was fun to actually try to figure out a way to have Babu fight because I was like, he's got the potions. It'd be kind of fun to how do you fight a guy you, who can be everywhere at you once? Can teleport, like, oh, you, right. you can. Yeah. So you make him impossible to be able to, to target anybody. And so that was kind of a fun way to figure out. But my I think my favorite of them was just having Goldar after yeah. after the conversation with Rocky, where it's just like you pull your punches because you want the credit and the idea that we're like for one page, we just get to see Goldar not pull the punches and just fight sturdy. He's like, okay, I'm not going to, yeah. I'm not going to try anything cool. I'm just going to go after your wings and win. Cause I was like, okay, who can fight Zeta? Oh, cause I think I made a joke about it. in One of the power Rangers ones where they're like, it's like one of the issues where like is right after Goldar had the staff and turned the, the, the bus into like a monster. Yeah. And after the bus got defeated, he just flew away. And the Power Rangers like, oh, he's got wings. And I have one of them go, yeah, I always forget about those. And like, that's a joke of me saying, because there's been so many times where like, I forgot that he had wings or like there was an like there's like there's a continuity here where I forgot to tell them to draw wings in or whatever. Like, so like it was one of those things where I was like, I'm going to just use as like, so there was a moment with Zenith, like Zenith has wings, like let's have Goldar have wings and they can fight that way. That'll be easy. So yeah, that was, that was my favorite one. Cause I just thought it was so simple and fun to just have him be like, I fight dirty. That I fight dirty line. Uh, Francesco did such a good job of doing doing just that yeah. evil grin from Goldar. It's it's so toothy and just it's it's great. Yeah, it's fun to have him because he's like one guy kind of bounces back and forth, right? There's moments yeah. where he's a threat and then there's moments where he's a kind of an idiot. And it's like trying to balance that is hard, mm-hmm. I think, sometimes because even the show never really figured it out. Like there's yeah. times where he's really like in the first like the first episode, he like he gives the, the, the Power Rangers all they can handle. And then after that, like he becomes kind of a sidekick cartoon character that's always sort of like, like trying to be, he puts on airs of being tough, but you like, yeah. you don't see it again. So I always try to figure out a way to make them as tough as I possibly can. And then obviously have all the sword fighters uh, against uh, Zeta. We got uh, Zella, Zeta and, and, and Rocky here. Yep. Swords all, all around. <laughs> swords all around. And then finally we get the shot of, of Zardis with the three Imperials talking about the cleansing and, He's like, We're, I'm going to incinerate this world. It'll be like Earth never existed. And then we get another page turn of <laughs> people running to the rescue. <laughs> I just like that. Uh, the line by Jason, just, hey, uh, Zordon sent us with a message. Get off our planet. Yeah. It just it feels like an Independence Day kind of. Oh, it, <laughs> yeah, it's totally my I think it's I'm, I'm ripping off um, uh, Air Force One. Get off right. my plane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But that was fun. It was really fun for me when we did this because I was like, oh, cool. We can finally have all the all the, the Omega Zords and, and the dragon and the white tiger Zord and all that stuff. And I was like, what was cool is I realized when uh, I made um, Yale a Power Ranger, I was like, well, how is he going to control his Zord? And then I looked at the design and I was like, oh, my gosh, it, it looks kind of like a cat. And so, like, I was like, let's have it run like one and we'll just have it track his movements. Mm-hmm. This, sorry, their movements. I, I get the pronouns messed up sometimes. I apologize. Track their movements the same way that it tracks the white tiger Zord's movements. Yes. When he does like his punching. So I was like, that's how Yale can actually control. He's just moving his arms and, and being it's tracking his stuff. And so that's the way I was like, because I was like, otherwise, I don't know how a cat's going to drive a Zord. <laughs> And we kind of see that in how the panels are drawn with uh, Tommy next to Yale in the panel. And, you know, instead of the handles, just like Tommy, there's kind of like these 
different glowing bits that that exactly. are like tracking them. So exactly. yeah, that's yeah. awesome. And then the tease is the big fight between Zordon and, and, and Zed. So let's just get right into it with Mighty Morphin Fifteen. This was the big one, and and we get we do get another uh, flashback, and this is the first time that Zordon meets like Lord Zed, quote unquote, right? Yeah, that was the idea. It was like the first time they met in combat. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot of first times here. Like in this one, this is the first time that uh, Zordon meets Zed in, in combat after everything that's happened, and then the last one in Mighty Morphin 16 is the first time that he ever met Zordon as a person. So, yeah. Yeah. I was sort of running out of the good stuff, but uh, I was like, <laughs> I didn't, I wasn't riffing, but I was just like, well, what, what can I do here that, cause I love the contrast. Also, this is, if you notice this planet, this is the planet that Zordon and Zardis went to for the um, first uh, observation for the first observation. So I was like, Oh, wouldn't that be cool? If Zed was like, okay, I'm going to take that place out first. And I was like, bringing back the, you know, it's like bringing back stuff you've already seen. So yeah. So after he became Zed, he's like, I'm going to attack your, and I'm attacking any of the planets that you basically have come out to and, and sort of adopted into, into the Altarian uh, Alliance or whatever. And mm-hmm. I'm going to destroy them. And so I thought that was fun to sort of bring that back to. This is just the all out brawl between Zordon and Zed. What I like about this is that Zordon doesn't address him as Zed. Ever since he knew the truth, he keeps calling him uh, Zofram because he's, I think, trying to convince Mm -hmm. Zed of like what's really going on here. Yeah. I mean, throughout the entire next three issues he calls mm-hmm. i think he calls him i might have messed it up but i'm pretty sure he only calls him Zofram. and what i liked is it builds all the way to the end when he basically says stop calling me that and yeah. and then after that i don't know if you noticed it but the last line that he says is he calls him my friend so mm-hmm. it's like he he did win he did win zordon got him to acknowledge the fact that he is Zofram. That was his little moral victory. It was like, I'm going to get through to this guy in some small way. Like I'm going to do, he's an eternal optimist. That's what, Mm -hmm. even at his worst, I think like he's like, he believes he can save anybody, especially when it comes to like Rita and stuff like that. So the idea that he wouldn't, he's not going to give up on Zed either. That's what this whole first part of of this issue is, is because Lord Zed is, is still hanging on to that lie because he doesn't fully know the truth yet. And he's like, oh, you sabotage the Zeo crystal. And so you see all that, that rage and Zed unleash on, on Zordon here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I know there were some people who were like, why hadn't he figured it out yet? And I was like, well, I don't think he ever thought about it that way. I think he right. had, I don't think he ever even it, it had even entertained the idea that Zardis could have been responsible. Um, and so that's, you know, when he's, it's just, it's never occurred to him. So it's always been about, and also I think I've said this before, like I didn't want this like, it's not a revenge story. Like I, this isn't Zed hunting down Zordon because of what happened to his body. It's right. more that these these two these two guys. What I thought was interesting to me was the fact that that Zed and it, with the with the origin that we created for Zed is that Zed and Zordon both lost were physically deformed because of because of Eltar protecting Eltar, right. and one of them was was lost his lost everything and basically went I blame the institution everything I did was for nothing and that I've got to tear the institution down that caused it right that's his idea is like I fought for Eltar and Eltar never cared about me Eltar doesn't believe in me and I've got to destroy that because had it had the institution given me the power that I needed 
I, it never would have happened to me. And I thought what was interesting is that Zordon had the exact opposite thing. He was destroyed defending Eltar and he has doubled down his faith on protecting Eltar because he's looking at it going, oh, I have a second chance to keep protecting this place. And so that's sort of the crux of their argument a little bit. It's in one of the earlier issues when they talk about it was like when Zordon's body was destroyed, Zed expected Zordon to follow in his footsteps. He was like, "You, I, I thought you'd come to the exact same conclusion that I did, yep. but he didn't. And that's part of the thing that will always keep them from ever becoming allies, even though now they know the truth and that Zordon wasn't responsible for what happened to Zed. They have changed too much as people to ever go back to the friends that they were. Mm-hmm. That was my idea because I didn't want it to be as simple as oh, you you destroyed my body. I want to destroy you because that doesn't line up with the show. That doesn't line up with Zed's motivation. So it had to be a little more complicated and hopefully nuanced. Uh, and that was the goal. I, I hope that came across. Uh, and if it didn't, now I've explained it and that will be how it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it for sure came across because like just their entire fight spread throughout this, this issue. You know, they're having this amazing, you know, knockdown drag out fight while trying to explain both sides. And I just really like that Zordon's like, look, he's like, I, I couldn't care about any of that. Like I was conscripted into this, you know, I, right. I like I, I believed you, I would have died for you. Yeah. I guess Zed just being so stubborn and, and convincing himself over thousands of years that Zordon betrayed him. Yeah, I feel like Zed had like this fake argument in his head for a thousand years. <laughs> like, you know, you you forget mad at somebody and you or like or like you text them and never text it back. And you just imagine all the things that are you imagine the fight or you imagine that they're just at home cackling or laughing about you or talking behind your back. I feel like that's all Zed did for years was just imagine Zordon like twisting his mustache and laughing at him. And all that time, which I thought was way cooler, was the idea that Zordon never wanted to be this great warrior. He never wanted all this responsibility and he literally wanted out. And then because he thought Zafram died protecting him and there was no one to fill that role anymore, he was like, I will do that. I will become the hero that I think you are because you're not around to do that anymore. And I don't know if that's the right term of irony, but the idea that he became a good man because he, he thought that the, the good man had died and the good man. So they kind of inverted, right? They sort of flipped because of yeah. their own perspective on the other person. And it's like, it weirdly enough, because Zed died the way that he did, it made Zordon the righteous great man that he is. But yet at the same time, because he thought Zordon was responsible for that, it turned Zed into sort of the dark, twisted villain that he is, which is, mm-hmm. I, I think that's irony. Maybe it's not. (laughs) Another huge chunk of this issue is just Zord Brawl Fest. Yeah, like that. Look at that double page spread on six. That thing is sick. It's incredible. I just, I love the sidekick that the Dragon Zord is is doing with the. Look how nimble that thing is, like flying through the air. It's it's great. (laughs) I I love it. I love it. Some of those Promethea upgrades are making it a little bit more nimble. Yeah. Well, he got longer arms. He's got a little more, he's he's less top heavy. (laughs) Exactly. What I love about this is how everyone kind of split up and took on a different Imperial. You got the Tiger Zord going into the mountains, uh, the Dragon Zord going into his element, which we barely ever saw in the show underwater. That was on my list, too, right below Zordon and Zed fighting. I was like, I want to see the Dragon Zord fight underwater. Yeah. Oh, so great. And then the Omega Rangers taking to their element in space. So, yeah, just a great shot. I 
I love the panel when the dragon zord is full on swimming and he's doing that, that Godzilla roar. It's yeah. just, man. which a dragon needs to be able to breathe fire. So that's yeah. why I gave him that ability. But yeah. And I, I that was my favorite. Part. I thought I, I wish I, I wanted like three pages of just fighting underwater. <laughs> I was like, can we just do that? And I was like, no man, you get two panels. <laughs> And then obviously the the Mighty Morphin team uh, calls the Thunder Zords, and I, I never get tired of of seeing the Thunder Megazord. It's it's one of my absolute favorites. Yeah. Anything on on just uh, well, I, I mean, hold on, we'll get into it. Uh, sorry, I'm kind of all <laughs> I'm kind of all over the place because like I, I didn't have enough time to like reread everything. No, so I I'm, totally get it. I wrote this a year ago. I don't remember anything. <laughs> But one of the most important scenes, just because it it, it kind of kicks off and and unleashes the Imperials, as the Moon Minions and Zayla are fighting Sentry uh, Force Four, and we get that shot of of Zardis kind of gloating. And just out from the shadows, Grace with uh, the Psycho Dagger taking out that celestial crystal and and Zardis just losing it. <laughs> I, I know Grace has been really hard on, on the Mighty Morphin team and kind of holding the, the dragon coin over Zordon. And she's been really hard on, on Matt, even in th- this part. What are your thoughts on, on Grace, her evolution in this arc from what we've seen all of her before? I sort of looked as her as I always really liked the concept of Grace because it's there's a cool concept. There's a cool element in that she is somebody who was recruited by Zordon to sort of protect the earth. And then got a taste of that and then sort of was cast aside, right? It was like, well, I got it from here. And I always thought she's a controller. She's somebody, she's an A-level alpha personality who does not like giving up control. And I feel like ever since that day, she has been sort of fighting for the opportunity to, I think there's a line I had in one of the earlier drafts, which was when Zordon comes and accuses her of like stealing the coin. And she's like, I think humanity should have a say in the way that we protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's like the taxation thing. It's like you know, if we want to, if we're going to pay taxes, I want to be able to write. I want to be able to write the laws. And so, like, I like that idea that she's that's all she's ever wanted is she just wants to be able. She just she's not going to hand over trust to Zordon that everything's okay and that because she lost when last time she put trust in Zordon, it cost her a bunch of the a yeah. bunch of people died under her, and I don't think she's ever ever gotten over that. And so she spent all these years building up the opportunity to try and protect earth the way that she thinks it needs to be protected. So she's just got larger issues and she's just, that's, that's the way I look at it. She's, it's mm-hmm. a little like the Magneto Xavier thing a little bit where it's like, they both kind of, they both want to protect earth. They just have different approaches towards one do it. One is like, I'm Zordon have faith in the fact that this is the way it is. And she's like, that's not, that's not good enough. And so that's the way I, I look at her. She's, they're always fighting for the same things. She has the best intentions at heart, but she's also willing to sort of, you know, you, as you can see, she's always sort of willing to just like bend the rules whenever she feels it's necessary as opposed, and Zordon's not necessarily going to do that. So that's the way I look at her. One of my favorite lines in the issue is, uh, hey, what do you know? The screaming really does help. It's, it's great. <laughs> yeah, I wrote the thing of her doing the yaw, and I was like, oh, she, will she do the yaw? And I was like, oh, but it does, maybe it does help. And so I thought that was sort of fun <laughs> that she's like, yeah, it works. This is it. The Imperials are now unleashed. I, I love the way that they speak kind of in these fragments, much like the Imperials. Yeah. And Zardis just like absolutely losing it. Like, Hey, you're bound to me. And they're like, Hey, uh, thanks. 
So as a you know as a thank you, thank we'll you. we'll get Eltar last. Yeah. <laughs> And he's like, oh, I, I done screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was that, the Imperials have always to me has been sort of the dark mirrors to the emissaries. They talk the same. The, the colors are inverted the same way. Yeah. Uh, the, the emissaries are about non their concept is how do we protect all of creation? And the Imperials version is is that it's chaos and destruction. The idea is that it's sort of like birth and death and rebirth. Mm. And the cycle of life is violence and they are the catalyst for the cycle of life. So so that's the way that I've always seen them. And they do like to talk about how often they're going to destroy things and then not destroy things. But, you know, you got to give them I, I don't they don't have a lot of they got to work a little bit on their battle, their battle jargon a little bit, I think. But they, they do get a little <laughs> threatening. They threaten a lot. They threaten people like I'm going to destroy this in front of you. And they really like that for some reason. <laughs> One of the lines from the Magenta Imperial is commenting just on the size of Earth's population and saying, oh, so many lives left unfilled and so many dreams that will never come to fruition. And I, I just, I, that chills me because it's like we, you know, we saw the other planets that they destroyed and it's almost kind of like a Star Trek thing where, yeah. you know, these planets have, you know, very small populations for whatever reason. And, you know, Earth's got like 7 billion people on it. Yeah, if you think about uh, if you blow up a planet like Alder, if you think about Alderaan, there was a lot of people who were just like, I'm not going to be able to pay my rent next month. Right. And then, you know what I mean? Like, those are real people. When you, when you, we, we get caught up in like, I think there's a scene in the beginning when Trini talks about how many people it is and just like how the number keep it like un is unsettling. Just the idea of when you think about, how many people that is like if you don't know yeah. all of them and like that's I, that was i'm always trying to it's easy to keep thinking of oh they they wiped out planets but it's like man that's a lot of people like millions and millions of people like and every one of those people are just like me and you who just had dreams and they got all and then they looked up one day and there was a flash of light and it was all gone so mm -hmm. like that's a scary that's a scary concept hopefully something we'll never have to actually deal with we see the, the Rangers get the upper hand because the Thunder Megazord actually slices off the arm of, of that Imperial. Yeah, I didn't think they'd let me do that, by the way. But I think it because oh, really? he had like because he had three more, I think they were okay with it. Oh, okay. Uh, but I was like, are they going to let me cut that guy's arm off? All right, cool. Yeah. Yeah, the, I, I thought that was pretty sweet. But then... We get the thing that we all been that we've all been waiting for. Even even Matt comments on it. He's like, "Let's give the people what they we what want." They want. <laughs> By far, one of I, I think one of the coolest combos. It's like a fan's dream is White Tiger Dragon Zord. <laughs> I mean, th th you were pretty much saying this. Like, you're just waiting for this, right? <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I think I I, I taunted you and teased you yeah, guys yeah. with like in like Mighty Morphin like six or something like that with it, yeah. and then I was like, no. And oh yeah, it was a hundred percent like. I've been waiting forever to put this in the book because it's like the minute you bring the Green Ranger back, I was like, we got to combine the the White Tiger Zord and the and the Dragon Zord. Absolutely. So it was nice to be able to have it be in the in the climax and hopefully use it in a way that was, you know, Tommy being a good leader and putting aside mm -hmm. any of his personal issues with Matt and be realizing that this is how they were going to win. Um, I know. And this is this is I'm good. This is the most preachy I'm going to get in this. I know I have been accused of uh, fan service uh, on many mm -hmm. occasions. I don't like that term. Um, sure. I think it's it can be used by different people in certain ways. I know not everybody who's said that they, that I'm giving them fan service is saying it in a derogatory way. I know that. But to me, I know I know. But I also know how it's how it's used out there. And so yeah. I like to think that 
if for this particular characters, what, what my thought was, it's consistent with the show in the sense that, you know, whenever they're in trouble, you tend the show always got out of it by leveling up and combining his awards together yep. that normally didn't go. So it's consistent with that. It was something that I had set up for over 12 issues. Yeah. And I you hopefully used it as a, an emotional wait for these two characters to come together in the same way that I kind of used it for Jason and Tommy with them mm -hmm. when they combined the White Tiger Zord and the Red Omega Zord. It was like it's a yeah. it's a cool way to use the physicality and the action to hopefully create character modes. So to me, that's not fan service. That's called storytelling. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so I didn't just throw it in here because sure. I couldn't think of anything else. Like it was designed for this moment to be the thing. And yes, is it something we all wanted to see? Yes. But like, I'm not somebody like I said, like, you know, give the people what they want. I'm not somebody who's like, I'm not going to. It's entertainment. <laughs> like this comic book should be fun. I want you to read it and go, oh, that's awesome. That's fun. I don't want to like tease you with things that that, you know, you never get to see. So that that's my that's my soapbox. I'll now step off of it. And um, and hopefully. But yes, I was this was on my list of cool things that I wanted to put into um, this run as well. So and I don't know if I can say this, but but you did tease this at me at, at C2E2 and you just show me this panel and I I lost it because as a fan of Power Rangers for almost 30 years, I mean, even though, you know, I think there there are seasons now that you know, are greater than mighty Morphin. I, I st I'm still, I'm still the mighty Morphin. Like that, that's what got me on this. So, yeah. so seeing the, the green and the white Ranger, you know, not only fighting together, but the Zords combining, I mean, that's, yeah, you, you can say fan service all you want, but yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah. This is what I've wanted to see for 30 years. Exactly. We've all hypothesized about it. I've seen the smash kits. I like, right. I like, yeah, like, it's just like, this is something we all knew about. It was just like, when can we do that? And the comic book gave us the ability to do that. And I thought Dan killed the design. I love what Holy he did with cow. it. Yeah. yeah. It was really cool. Like I, it was, a, I think we went through like three passes on it, just mm -hmm. trying to just get all the piece. Cause I was like, how can we get all the pieces from everything? Like the tail, if you notice the tail, the tail on his arm also has the sword. Um, yes. The tail of the white tiger on the thing. So and it's the two tails forming yes. like this double sword. It's, it's exactly. Cool. Yeah, it's and cool. I love, and I love that he uses the shield from the dragon the chest place as yeah. a ch chest place as an actual shield. I was like, I mean, if I can, we're definitely bringing this frigging thing back and we're going to use it some more. It's just too cool. Yeah. What, what I like about your run of these mashups is that this is the third time that the white tiger Zord has been the base of a combination because the first one he combined with the uh, Promethea uh, mech. Right. I just like that the white tiger Zord in, in like battle mode when it's in the warrior mode it is kind of like this base platform that you can just, you know, morph things onto. So yeah, it's, it's super helpful. Yeah. <laughs> It's easier. Like it's like it, it kind of goes everything like visually it works. Uh, I loved that we were able to that he could wear the dragon head like he skinned the dragon and put it on. Like there was <laughs> right. a, like a lot of stuff that was like it. It's the white tiger. The warrior mode is a very like it, it's I mean, even if you look at the and the Gravesword has like a similar build. There's pieces right. of the, the Gravesword that are also that are like built into the from the white tiger. Sword. So, yes, I, I think it's my favorite, but it's definitely very uh, malleable. Oh, yeah. 
And then the reveal for the last part of, of this issue was after the cosmic crystal that he was using to control the Imperials, Zardis says that always have a backup plan and, and we get the shot of the Zeo crystal. But I, I like that there was a, a moment where he's seeing the fight that they're still going on with Lord Zed and Zordon. And, you know, he's like two of the most powerful warriors in the galaxy squabbling like children. He's twisted. That's his Iago moment of like admiring his handiwork. Like, look what I did to you guys. Look at look at you. You're both better than me. And look what I've turned you into. Also, like, that was the other thing that I knew. I was like, well, I'm a man who likes uh, a nice crystal as a MacGuffin. So I was like, if you get rid of one, you got to go get the other. And I just thought that there was something cool about like, okay, let's, the Zeo crystal was such a huge part of the story. Let's, let's, let's go back to that. Like, it's this powerful weapon that can be like, that is there. And Zardis would have knowledge about it that the others might not know. And it just seemed like, let's use that as the thing that drinks all these three. Like, like, as you know, from my writing at this point, I like to go back to the beginning. I like to really sort of, if you mm-hmm. say, if I set it up before, I want to pay it off later. And it just felt like having them fight in the sort of the caves of deception for the Zeo crystal, the three of them just seemed like the right note. Now was, was Zofram's intention with the Zeo crystal as a backup to like recontrol the Imperials? Maybe even just destroy them. Oh, okay. Just like get the power. Exactly. Like I think he knows because he worked with the um, Bandorians right. to put the power spell on it. He says later he knows how to use and he learns stuff from them. So it's possible he could wield the Zeo crystal in a way that the other ones couldn't. I was looking at it as he was going to use it to possibly destroy the Imperials or, con- or or recontrol them. Obviously, we never got to actually being able to use it, but that was my that was my intention. Okay. I think one of the most pivotal issues is Power Rangers 15. And I, I wanted to note, this is the only issue in the arc to combine not only uh, Francesco Mortarino's talents, but Marco Renna's. And yes. I really, really like that, you know, Francesco got to do some scenes and then uh, Marco Reno got to do like the whole battle with Zed and Zordon and kind of continue where he left off from the last issue. So what was the logistics just for the art of this issue? And did it give more work than the other? Did it help split up the workload for this one issue? Yeah, the idea was be, we. I was just really, really loving what Marco was doing with the the Zordon and the Zed fight. It was so much fun, and I was loving so much what Francisco was doing with the Zords at, that we were just like, can we give them? Because we were kind of behind it. I was like, can we give them more time to be able to really nail these pages? And also because we were going back and forth in the book, it felt consistent right. it felt like it wouldn't throw people off like all of a sudden marco was in there it was like oh, they we, we've been doing it already so it seemed like it was an easy way to be able to sort of give everybody the time uh they needed to really to have fun with some stuff because mm-hmm. it felt like you know when you write these things for so long like the last thing you want to do is have to rush the ending you know it's like you yeah. i rewrote 32 issues so we could have fun and have for this big explosion for this big battle. Like we're getting the climax of all these major, the Omegas, the ultra Omega Zord is going to show up. We're going to get the, the battle between Zordon and Zed teaming up and all that stuff. It's like, let's make sure that we like everybody has the time to actually enjoy doing this. So that was the, the reasoning was just sort of find mm-hmm. a way to like, let everybody sort of swing to their strengths. But yeah, I mean, I, it's funny. You said that I had completely forgot that we had actually blended it as you, until I was looking at this, I'm going, Oh wow. Like that looks a lot like Marco. Oh, 
yeah, I forgot. That's right. Like I just because I don't I, they're all one big story to me. Like I don't even think about the divides and the issues anymore. When I first read this issue or when, you know, I first got the press copy and I saw that this issue was illustrated by both of them, I was like, ooh, we're yeah. we're in for a treat here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that kind of leads into just this entire fight where we get to see the payoff where at the start, the Rangers are are at the top, but slowly but surely we see them start getting thrown down in this. And what I liked is that there's this, I, I don't want to say tension, but there's this moment where Tommy's basically giving Matt advice on, on how to pilot the Zord because they're just, they're not having a great time at it at first. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think part of it was like, I was like, Matt's never combined his Zord with anything before. Mm -hmm. like, and one of the things I was like, Tommy has, Tommy knows this. This I think was one of the things I think I might've heard. Like people were like, Tommy's not a very good leader. And, and I was like, oh, I think he's a pretty good leader. He's also a 19 or 18 year old kid. Like, you know, he's doing his best. He's in some tough situations, managing mm -hmm. some complicated personalities and, and politics, the whole thing. So like, I was just like, there's an opportunity here for Tommy who has, has merged Zords before and does know that what the connection to the grid feels like. And Matt doesn't the idea that Tommy could sort of walk him through that and let him know what they're feeling. And also I, there was an opportunity to sort of dig into, I always like when I can find a little bit of a way to explain sort of the shorthand of why everybody's able to do the things that they're able to do so quickly. You know what I mean? Like logically, if we're being very, very yeah. strict about it, like there's the, the Power Rangers know how to drive those Zords and know how to, you know, combine them in a way that like when they get in the chair for the first time and like they've never. Yeah, like that's hard. Um, exactly. I can't even drive my car down the like back it down the driveway and these people can transform <laughs> giant robots, you know, like they're especially. Yeah. So anyways, I, I'm always trying to find ways to sort of use the the comics that do that. I think I did a little of that with Billy early in Gogo, -Go, And I thought this was sort yes. of another opportunity for them. If you, you know, I think it's like on page like three or four, when the Zords combine, the Rangers also sort of the, there's an overlap uh, mentally and they can feel each other. And I thought that was something that I, right. I really liked, um, which is also like, it gives an opportunity for Matt and, and Tommy to sort of feel each other's feelings a little bit more and, and can, can literally quote unquote connect sure. in a way that they hadn't before. That teamwork works because they're able to destroy the uh, orange Imperial. Yeah. And the, if you notice, there's like, they start finishing each other's sentences a lot too. Like they're not even saying stuff. Yeah. That's the mental overlap. They're like, they're getting each other. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's awesome. After they defeat the, the orange Imperial and, and Matt just says, look, I'm, I'm sorry. Like he just uh, apologizes. And I, I like that Matt's able to accept kind of his, um, culpability. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a tough job. Like Matt's got a, Matt's got to serve sort of two masters. He's got to serve grace. Who's not, who's not always like playing ball with the power Rangers and he's got to serve his friends. And also his relationship with his friends is a little more complicated because you know, his ex-girlfriend's dating the leader of the team who doesn't particularly, and he's wearing the guy's old Matt, like it's complicated. And so I like that for a little bit, there was this moment of like, look, dude, I, I know I've, I've not been the best at this. I'm still figuring out. And I thought, and I always love the idea that and this goes back to the whole, who are you, your coin or is the coin you, the idea that he's like, forget it, man, not listening comes with the coin. Like, it's just like, yeah. are you, a, you're the green ranger. And I was a bit of a jerk when I was the green ranger. So like, I'll, I'll give you a pass. And we finally get 
the confrontation between all three. So we get Zofram, Lord Zed, and and Zordon. And I particularly just like the call out that says the Caves of Deception because it's just such a, you know, call back to uh, Mighty Morphin and and where the Zeo Crystal is. I, I, I just love that I actually see that in words on the page. <laughs> well, it's fitting that Zardis is home in the caves of deception. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like just talk about this moment here because it's kind of like the culmination of just everything that's, that's going on. And Lord Zed even going to just trying to like, he just says silence and, and Zorn's like, no, like, yeah, no, they're all coming together and just realizing what's happening here. Yeah, all the everybody knows who everybody is at this point, right? Zordon knows that Zardis is a monster, and Zed, I love it. Zardis, like you're funny. It's like science. Zordon's like, nah, man, not right now. Like, like, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sick of that crap. And so, yeah, this whole scene was sort of just designed around the idea of calling back to the the moment that the Zor- the Zeo Crystal had sort of been adjusted and cursed, or whichever way you want to look at mm-hmm. it, and the idea of sort of like now that everybody is in the same room. Like, let's just get it all out. Let's like everybody tell the truth, right? Which is something that that even in this moment, if you notice, Zardis isn't is kind of like trying to manipulate Zed again. He's just yep. like, hey man, you and me, we can figure this out. Like he's like just old that times. Kind of- Exactly. Like, I know I tried to blow up your your palace a few minutes ago, but you would have done the same thing. And I like that the way that Zordon sort of wins is he's basically like, I'm going to show you like he's lying to you. He's telling you what you want to hear. I'm going to show you that I am willing to die mm-hmm. to convince you that I had nothing to do with your death. And here you go. And I think Zed sees that. And he even he's like, OK, Zordon's not going to do that if he was going to. That's the, the trump card. That's why he turns and he's about to hit him and he just like swings at Zardis. And that's the moment. And he's like, okay, I was wrong. That guy, that's the truth right there. And I can see it for the first time. And then what I loved about that was I was like, now we get the Power Rangers duel of the fates. You know, we, we get, we get Zordon and Zed versus Zardis and, you know, like, here we go. And that's what I was, that was the other thing on my list. I was like, I want Zordon to fight Zed and then I want Zordon and Zed to fight together. And I think that's such a cool thing about how Zordon turned this around because Zordon's just telling the truth the entire time. And like Zed knows that Zordon is good. And why would he lie about this? If he's that compassionate about his convictions, well, he's consistent, right? At that thing, you lead by example. And his example is ultimately to just keep telling the truth and and then he will win out. And, and, and hopefully finally Zed was just like, Oh, Zed couldn't deny it anymore. Like you said, everything he had told him was the truth. I I admired you. I would have died for you. I, and literally I would die for you. And then finally is willing to do it. Like mm-hmm. I will, I am willing to die to convince you of who I actually am. And I feel like that, I mean, geez, like, how do you argue with that? What's your game Zordon? Like, no, come on. Like, it's just like, <laughs> that's it. There's nothing. It, it came down to that. It came down to, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to show you the truth. And, and that's the moment that Zed's like, all right, I gotta, I gotta bust some ass. the next moment is with the omega rangers and they're fighting the purple imperial and purple imperials just knocking them around and the red imperial basically says look one of us has fallen we we have to finish this now and they're all powered down right now because the purple imperial just wiped the floor with them so tell me about this moment and them figuring out because it leads to the blue emissary who we see we get a glimpse of because the 
orange one died, we see the kind of like the energy form a figure. And it's not until this scene that we find out that it's the blue emissary. Yeah. The idea was um, this kind of, that's sort of two answers. The first one, the idea of having the blue emissary come back was if with the way that the other two em- em- emissaries had been killed was they had been sort of torn apart by the Imperials and mm-hmm. also that their hearts had been taken. If you noticed, I think then both of and the way that they find out that the red emissary's heart was taken is when they, that's how they track that's what they find out when they go to Draken's uh, like mind. Yeah, and thing, they, right? they, yeah. they piece the the, the pieces missing together. Yeah, and the heart yeah, is it, missing. It took its heart because I because if you go back and look at the the Morphin Masters, their hearts was the key in in Shattered Grid. So we want to keep yeah. that consistent. So they take in the heart there, and then if you watch in the Yellow Emissary, I think it's like Power Rangers number twelve, maybe I think or eleven. I can't remember which one it was. Uh, they take the heart out of after yes. they tear it open. They take the heart there. But the blue emissary, their heart was never taken because they were killed by Kaya. That's why they're still around. That's why they're mm. still contacting. And so I thought, well, if if we're saying that when an emissary dies, an imperial is born, what happens when an imperial dies? And so that's why I was like, well, then maybe the blue emissary can come back. Maybe they they can be sort of the catalyst to sort of bring about. And also I thought if we get to the ending, like I thought there was some nice symmetry with the idea of giving the yeah. final kill. Yeah. Like it started the whole, this whole thing started when, it, when, it, when an imperial killed an emissary. It'd be nice if it ended with an emissary killing the last imperial. So that just felt like the nice thing to do. Yes. It robs the power Rangers of a more warrior, but you know, come on, man, the emissary, I felt like the emissaries had been beaten around enough. They deserve to win. Um, <laughs> exactly. Anyway. So that was what the idea was, was bringing back the blue emissary. And I just liked the idea of like that weird balance and that sort of weird circle of stuff. But the fun thing was I'd always, we actually had an early design for the ultra Omega Zord way back in necessary evil. We had mm. it ready to go, but when Kaya went bad, broke bad, I was like, oh no, we're never going to be able to use that because she's the bad guy in the thing. Like we're not going to yeah. be able to use it. So I was like, well, okay, I'll hold on to that. And hopefully it'll come in handy. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I knew that when, when I brought Yale back, I was like, oh, now that Yale is the blue Omega Ranger, I can have them all form the ultra Omega Zord. And that can be how they defeat one of the, one of the Imperials. And so that was the idea was like, I was like, oh, Yale's back. Oh, the team's back. Oh, cool. I can do this. So that was kind of fun. But like, that was the, I was just like, it was that thing of like, I owe that, you know, yeah. if you create, if you create a new arranger team, you owe a Megazord. And so I felt like that was just a box that I had to check off at some point. What were some of the, either the, the inspirations for this or, or what was kind of the direction for the ultra Megazord? Because I love that the alchemy symbols on their helmets come into play. Yeah. So we went back to Daniele, who designed the original Omega Rangers oh, and said, nice. hey, can you can you update this? When Yale became a Blue Ranger, we went back to him and said, can you design Yale as the Omega mm-hmm. Ranger? And he did that. So this has been Daniele's baby from the beginning. And so he did this. And I think this is also Francisco did some of this as well. Oh, God, I'm going to get it wrong. Maybe this was France. I can't remember. Anyways, they worked on it together. I know that for sure. And so, yeah, the idea was like we wanted it to stay sort of alien because the other ones were sort of like, since the original Megazords weren't really designed as any creatures or any sort of theme, we were like, let's continue that and make it more of a combination of all the colors and try and find an interesting pattern and use the pieces as if they were sort of folding in on each other. Mm -hmm. So we kind of looked at the way that the red Omega Zord had combined with the the white Tiger Zord Mm -hmm. as sort of a, oh, that thing, it sort of folded around the white Tiger Zord. So let's do the same thing here. So it was kind of like just this idea of sort of like, I actually remember 
remember I, at one point I was like, do we have enough of the colors? And then the artist had shown me, I, I don't want to know. I can't remember who it is at this point. Showed me how it actually worked perfectly. Like yeah. the, there was the right amount of color for everybody. I was like, okay, great. I will never question you again. Thank you. <laughs> that was the thing. But the only thing that I said was I want it to be called the ultra Omega Zord because the Omega Megazord Me- sounded Omega Megazord. Yeah. that sounds ridiculous. <laughs> and so I was like, no man, ultra Omega Zord. Yeah. As soon as they're activated, gorgeous like page spread yeah. of 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 them just like landing right on the red imperial and uh yeah, just the, the two of them combining their strikes and uh, just utterly destroying this thing was was awesome. I'm usually bad at remembering to, to do double page spreads because I always overpack my scripts. But I was like, oh, no, no, no. If we're going to have it come in, it's got to be a double page spread to really show this thing off. So uh, it was a lot of fun. It's, I, this is like it was so much fun to actually finally have the Ultra Megazord actually like fighting and have all of them together and stuff. Because I was like, oh, man, it's been like it feels like I, I like that's the show, right? Like you got to get to that. So it was cool to finally see it like kind of bust them like, just to see it in full power was cool. Yeah. Then we go back to the Zordon Zed and Zardus fight. Now that you're bringing Zardus into it, what about this fight? Like, did you want to convey with pretty much where he's at the the end of his rope right here? One of the things I was saying I thought would be fun is like Zardus, if you are as deceptive a person as Zardus is from the beginning, I was like, there's no way you're ever going to show your true fighting ability to people that you might kill down the line. Yeah. So- I definitely wanted to make sure that he seemed like a threat from the beginning. And I also was like, I wanted to be able to, I like when you, when you see Zordon and Zed fighting together, I was like, I want to make sure we can hopefully show their different fighting styles. And the idea that like Zed's a bit of a brawler, Zed's a little more like, I want to just, I want to hurt people. I just love that. He's like, you know, he's right. Like Zardus has spent his entire life waiting for this moment. Like he's the minute, the minute he knew those guys survived, he's like, all right, I know I'm going to take those guys out. And I love that. He's like, I've been waiting to take care of you guys. And then I love this moment where he's just like, you know, he's right. He's faster. And he's like, yeah, we can still rip his legs off. Like, just like, like Zed's so mad. He's not even thinking straight. And the idea that Zordon's got to like talk him down and be like, Hey, he knows the people we were. He doesn't know the people that we are. Let's, can we use that to our advantage and let's use magic. Let's use the tech that I have. Like, let's do that. Let's be smart. And the idea that like Zed is like, okay, yeah. All right. Like I can do that. And like, that's, that's the most thing they're never going to be like, they're never, it's never going to be that scene from Predator where they grab each other's arms and like, yeah, it's like, it's not going to be that. But I think right. that Zed can respect a good fight. And so yeah. I like the idea that they don't have a lot of like, there's not a lot of like heartfelt conversation here, but there's definitely a little bit of like a, let's do this. Okay. We, we fought together. Let's do it again. Something that's been throughout this entire arc is Lord Zed's power up with, with this chaos energy he still has a, at the end of all of this, right? Yeah, I think that'll probably eventually wear out. Uh, okay. but but right now he does. Yeah, right now that's still a part of him. Yeah, because yeah, there's a there's a cool shot where he's using his like eye laser, like kind of like Cyclops, and it's yeah. all green. I, I I really like that part. But now this is this kind of leads into this final part right here, where the purple emissary is the only one that's left, but he's able to absorb their essences. Yeah. This kind of came late in the game where I was like, okay, so there's one Imperial left 
And I'm saying that that Imperial is going to be able to take on the Ultra Megazord, the Thunder Megazord, and the, the White Tiger Dragon Zord. How the heck can I possibly justify that? Mm-hmm. And, and so when I thought about it, I was like, well, wait a minute. It's like energy, right? Energy cannot be created or destroyed. So you've defeated the two other Imperials. Where's their energy going to go? And I thought, whoa, what if they all become one Imperial at that point? What if all of that, like, it's like they were almost like, like all of them were like tapped into the same energy source. And now that there's only one, all that energy, all that crazy, wherever the energy comes from that, that, that creates them is coming through one of them. And that idea of sort of blending all of the colors together just seemed like, okay, that makes sense to me. I think that's a cool, that's a cool way to sort of power them up and give them my, my super shredder moment. And that you might buy that, that because they already finish each other's sentences, they're yes. all one being in the same way. In the same way that the emissaries are all the those three primary colors make up all the colors. I was like, these three colors would make could could sort of like connect as well. So that was my idea. Was like, oh, let's 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 give them one more power up at the very very end. Rocky dubs it a super imperial, which I think is great. That's <laughs> I love it. He's like, how did we not think of this? <laughs> but you see that evolution with the imperial because as it's speaking in each one of these you see the purple we don't talk enough about ed dukeshire who no we do not these. he is literally letter i don't know how i can't emphasize that enough uh he has literally lettered every single issue of power rangers ever he must hate me he must <laughs> he must if there was ever a person who knows what a horrible speller and what a terrible person that grammar and punctuation is it was ed must know it ed's got it ed's, ed, ed's gonna see me and just like he's gonna take a glove and slap me across the face that's what's gonna happen when he when he meets me in person because there's no he must be like he must get these scripts and be like i gotta fix this guy's stuff again uh but and he's done it for almost 100 issues so ed yeah. god bless you sir but I, I just, I love this effect here because each, yeah. each line, it's the purple, the blue, the red, and then it all combines in that, that gradient in the final one. Like yeah, was- each line you get beat down, you get beat down, you get beat down. And when he's towering over all of them, that's like where the power is. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And it was like, here we go. And that's Ed. That's, I, that's not in the script. That was just Ed being Ed. <laughs> it's awesome. And just when the Imperial thinks to go in. This is the last shot of this issue, and we get the return of the Horrid. Yeah. And me, once again, page turn, <laughs> bad guy entrance. Like, that's my jam, man. That's what I love doing. So, obviously, th- I mean, this was the plan from the beginning. I mean, yeah. why even do that two-issue with the Horrid if they weren't going to come back at some oh, point? Absolutely. Like I am hopefully a, I use every part of the Buffalo when it comes to yeah. writing that that's my philosophy. Everything is like, hopefully when you read these books, like there's not many times where I'm going to do something and, and and I'm not thinking about how I could use it down the line. I, I just believe that writing is planting and payoff. And sometimes that means you guys can see stuff's coming. Like I, like sure. hopefully I, that means I, I always feel like if you do your job, right. Some people see stuff coming because they're like, well, that's, I, I I hope that what that we did that like you said why did we spend two issues fighting space zombies in the middle of of this thing of if we're not going to use those things later and so I always knew I was like I'm going to when Draken left I'm like they don't have a king 
and Draken is somebody who likes power, he's totally going to go back and go get those guys. Oh, yeah. Also, yeah. and sometimes that comes up from like when I saw the design for the Horde, I was like, oh my gosh, I saw it's them. It's like, like super space Nosferatu. Exactly. That's exactly. And so like this image is exactly the minute I saw them, I knew this was going to be the image I was going to use in the climax, which was the, the Imperial looking up and a thousands Horde falling down from the sky. Because I was like, that's just such a cool thing. I want to see that. So yes, there was, was always so cool. that. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you, I'm glad you like it. That's great. I think there was some comments online. I think people were confused who was speaking here. That was on purpose. I kind of figured it was Draken. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Draken. I didn't want it. I, yeah, it's Draken. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to tip it too early. Sure. Um, yeah, that was, this was one of those, actually, to be fair, in the original version of writing this, they didn't, the horde didn't show up until I think it was Mighty Morphin 16. But because I'd solicited the covers early and one of the covers, right. I think for, for, for Power Rangers 15 was the horrid in it, I felt like I had to honor that. And so I moved it up to make it the last page of 22. Got issue. it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. And then whew. we're almost there, man. This is the longest I've ever talked about Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you don't mind, but no, this, man. this is awesome. This is what you write for. So you can, you know, tell everybody what you actually meant to do. Can I just get some water real quick? Yeah. Can I, I wanted to get some water too. Yeah. yeah okay, let's let's yeah. do that. Great okay, idea. Let's do yeah. break. Okay. Great. Keep, don't okay. edit this out, by the way. Keep this in right. the entire. Okay. <laughs> so funny. Before we dive into these last two issues, one thing I wanted to ask, because I know the solicitations originally called out that, you know, Mighty Morphin 15 and, and Power Rangers 15 uh, would be the last. And then, you know, it was changed because you got essentially two more issues. Like, what was the behind the scenes? Because I couldn't see this ending where it ended. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, you know, when you plan these things that far ahead, uh, you don't always... Like, I think I was like, I wanted to give myself like four issues to sort of like really, I thought I was going to need a lot of time to epilogue, like a mm -hmm. lot of time. Also, I think I was just getting nervous about how long the Altarian War and, and Unlimited Power had gone. I never really think about how long the story is going to be. I just put the pieces in that I want. It's just sort of, you find it. And so like, I was like, oh, well, I'll have it run. We'll have it end at 12 or 14 or whatever. And I think Daphne was actually the one being like, you know, you have till 16, like, use all of it like don't you don't mm. don't feel like you need to, to like start another run earlier like if you need the extra if you need the extra book give yourself the other books like you've earned the right to finish this properly don't rush the ending and so i was like okay and and even even when i did it i still look now when i get to the end i'm still like yeah there's some stuff that i probably could have if i'd had more time i would have done some stuff i know i know the ending's been accused of being somewhat anticlimactic i don't think it's anticlimactic i had four issues of action like i don't know i like yeah. it was, <laughs> i had every i was like i what i guess sure i it wasn't like somebody pulled a you know dropped the they wasn't like a deus ex machina i don't i don't think well, maybe they're my I, I am pretty guilty of that occasionally but anyways so yeah i think i was just trying to figure it out i didn't quite know which one was going to be the ending i i think it it was like gonna be 14 and then 15 and then they were like you know you can have 16 and i was like okay so i just started adjusting as i went and and, mm -hmm. and so it was it was sort of like it kept moving sometimes it'd be closer and it just kept like sliding out and ultimately i think i had just enough space okay yeah so Mighty Morphin 15, this is kind of like the drag out all issue. Like th this is it because Power Rangers 16 definitely feels like more like an epilogue. 
hundred percent. Yeah. So what I love about this flashback with, with Mighty Morphin is that it kind of goes all the way back to the beginning. Yeah. I knew that if I was going to have like this battle between the three of them is in a lot of ways, it's Zardis explaining why he did what he did, like why he felt like why everything that he did from the manipulation to the destruction of deceiving Z- uh, Zed and Zofferman touching the, the, the Zeo crystal and all that stuff. And ultimately trying to manipulate Zordon and all of it. It was like, this was going to be the big moment of him explaining all that. And so I felt like, well, if I'm going to explain that, let's show it in the flashback. Let's see mm-hmm. the moment that Zardis basically decides, but you see the moment that he's replaced. If you actually look yep. on page on page three, I think it is or four. Yeah, yep. page three of the last panel. If you look at that, I remember I said that predator moment uh, yep. where the, that's it right there. <laughs> and look at yep. Zardis's face. Yeah, that's the moment he decided that he was going to destroy these guys because I think he loved Zofram and would have fought and died for that guy in the same way that Zordon yep. said that. I think Zardis would have been uh, Zofram's greatest champion for his entire for forever. If he only would have let him. Exactly. And I think in some ways, I think Zed and no great. That might be what Zardis thinks. Um, But ultimately, I don't know if that would have been the case. It's also that he also has, you know, delusions of he wants power. He wants to be that's that he's not he he's not like an innocent. He wasn't like, oh, I would. I would know. And like he probably would eventually have screwed him over anyways. But I think that. There's a thing where like there's that line and I think it's on page two where he says the only people who should be handed limited power are those who are reluctant to take it. And he says, Zell says all the right things, but I can see it in his eyes. He's too eager, too false. He wants it too much. And he says, you can see that in people. And he says, I Hmm. can. And I think that's the reason that Zofram chose Zordon is that he saw something about Zardis made him uncomfortable. Something about the yeah. ways artists talk to him. It's like that thing where like, if you have a friend and you're like, I like that guy, but I definitely wouldn't introduce him to my sister. Right. Because right. I, you know what I mean? Like that's, I think that's the thing is like, he can be my friend, but I only, but I know his true nature and therefore I'm never going to be able to be completely comfortable around him. And I feel like that's right. ultimately why he chose Zordon over because also in the next scene, you see Zordon saying, I don't want power. I just want to protect my friends. And he's like, and there's that look on panel five of him going, see, told you there's my guy. That's our boy. And like, that's the moment that everything fell apart. Yeah. I definitely liked, you know, the, the phrasing, like bringing back the phrasing of unlimited power. Mm -hmm. Cause it's just that full circle moment of, of just tying it all together. Yeah, that was the idea. Is I tried to drop that in whenever I felt like it was appropriate, just because I was like, you know, if you're going to call that the the whole run, like the Altarian War is pretty easy. Uh, right. But I felt like <laughs> the theme was a little. I was like, let's be a little more on the theme. Yeah, this is the final uh, fight, and that's why I like uh, Zardis's line here: "The three of us together after all these years." And but you guys are supposed to die centuries ago. <laughs> <laughs> Even though they were supposed to die centuries ago, just all Eltarians have just like super long lifespans, or is it something about becoming the supreme guardian that that kind of gives that longevity? I, um, I don't know how much that was explored or yeah. We, I mean, we definitely about talked it. about it. I actually yeah. think Zelia says something about how technology has come along. Oh, way that's in 10, right. Years. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, I felt like if they had spaceships and they were flying around 10,000 years ago, they probably have figured out the aging situation. Because, like, if you look at Zardis's beard, it's still pretty strong. Zardis right. has a stronger, darker beard than I do. So, <laughs> yeah, same. Um, 
Yeah. So, yeah. So, like, that was my thought process. Was okay. like, how much, how far can a society advance technologically if they had already achieved space flight that far along? And it felt like life and death is probably a little bit different for them. Now, granted, somebody else hopefully can get into that in down the line, but that was just my thinking. Yeah. Zardis uses the power of the Zeo crystal to pretty much incapacitate Zed right here. And I love that he punches Zed so hard that it does that little crack uh, of the visor, which uh, comes into play later in some cool artistic shots. I think that was in the script. I think I said, like, let's let's crack his eyes so we can see Logan, see the guy, the eyes behind. I think that was in there. And don't quote me on that, though. Mm -hmm. I think it was. Well, we're on a podcast, so now you just right. quote Yeah, okay. <laughs> and then uh, we get that Dark Spectre name drop here. Like, mm-hmm. Dark Spectre was one thing, but he's basically made Zed the boogeyman in the past. And, and that's where the unlimited power line comes in again. Yeah, I just thought there was this idea of, like, why would he, why did he keep him alive? Because I was like, mm-hmm. that was a, once again, I got to that question. I was like, why didn't Zardis just kill him? And I was like, oh, he's going to use him. To, to get what he wants. He's going to use this power, like this thing of like, he, it's a false flag and not a false flag, but this idea of like, he knows that Zord, like he's created this monster and this monster is going to come after Eltar. So why can't he use that to seize power and basically take over and get everything he wanted? Um, that was the idea anyways, was to sort of like, like make sense of how he was able to sort of, that sold the ultimate sort of like, you know, mm-hmm. screw you a little bit, which is like, not only did I, did I destroy you and make you think like, that's what you want to do, right? That's what Iago does in Othello. It's like, I hate you so much that I'm going to destroy you. And I'm I'm going to have you thank me for it. And that's what I thought was so crazy about the idea that when he, when, when Zed touched the Zeo crystal and lost his skin, Zardis is the one that he's just like, you saved my life. And now Zardis is going to use you, this monster that he's created to get everything he wanted. And also one thing that I really like about this fight, I think it's a little bit here. If you notice it's an, it's a callback. This fight is exactly a callback to the fight between uh, Zordon, Zofram, and the assassin in Mighty, yeah. Morphin, Mighty Morphin 11, 12. Because they're, they're in, they're in the, con, uh, they're in the chamber again. Yeah. They're in the chamber. Well, even, even down to the action. Uh, mm. if you notice, like he knocks Zordon away and then, oh, yeah. So the assassin was beating up on Zofram, and as he's about to destroy him, that's when Zordon races in again and, like, basically, you know, gets. Instead of being impaled through the stomach this time, he's impaled through the, through the back, and Zoff and Zoffram's watching it happen again. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, <laughs> I'm, I'm just like yeah, yeah. The things that you pick up when you review this, yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah. So we get the horrid again. We go back to the uh, purple imperial and the horrid and and the megazords. Um, did they not? hear the voice of draken because they're they're kind of explaining things and and then we we do get the appearance of draken so is that just like what we saw in the last issue was did anyone hear draken i guess yeah i think maybe i think i was also just trying to like just to sort of recap it a little bit so people knew what was going on because i was like i couldn't assume that people who had read mighty morphin had read power rangers and would know what was going on. So just having a reset here was sort of a helpful thing. So yeah, it's a little bit of repetition, but I just felt like let's better. Let's just err on the side of, yeah. I mean, at this point, I probably should assume that anybody who was reading was reading both, but you never know. Okay. And then the, the super Imperial definitely knocking them back. I love that. There's the sword, the classic, like, grabbing the sword with both hands and yeah that, that was really cool and what's well, nice when you got four hands you can grab it, them with two exactly. and shoot them with the other yeah <laughs> and then we get dragon 
<laughs> nope. I just love this world's a blight on universal perfection. He's like, yeah, boy, I hear you on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Preacher to the choir, bud. Yeah. Even with everything with Draken, Trini is still trying to be the voice of reason. And, you know, trying to talk him down a bit. I just love his explanation here and kind of like the heel turn, like, Hey, Imperial, I've got a deal for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I wasn't like, I think he's like half telling the truth here. Like, sure. I think maybe he thought like, it, it sort of depends on, I think he came back with the horrid and was like, depending in the same way that he screwed over the horde the first time where he was like working with them and then he turned on them i feel like that's just the way he handles every situation is like i'm gonna hedge my bets to whoever wins and whatever protects me his goal is ultimate self-preservation and i think he looked at us and went okay if the imperials are left unchecked eventually like he said at the beginning they will eventually destroy the universe and i will die with it so i'm gonna go there and I'm going to see what's happening and I'm going to bring the horrid. And if the horrid, if it's, if they're winning, if the Imperials are winning, I'm going to try and make a deal with them because uh, that way I can protect myself. But if they won't do with the deal, I'll, I'll try and take them out. Like I, I feel like that's, it's literally, he didn't come there to protect earth. He didn't come there to protect the power Rangers or any of that stuff. I think he literally was like, how do I protect myself? And this is the best way to do it. That was, that was my approach to it. It's always, how do I protect myself? I think since we're mentioning the artists and, and we're mentioning Ed who lettered this, Walter Biamonte mm -hmm. with this pink theme with the horrid and Lord Draken and just these like purple and pink hues. I am here for the, the day glow pink on this because <laughs> it just it works. Well, you've got so many Zords giving off so many colors. Like it would be like a disco ball. It feels like of like crazy color stuff. And like he brings like one thing he does such a great job of, I think, is bringing so he uses the colors to create motion and energy. Yeah. Um. He doesn't just use it to like to, to like, you know, he's not thinking of it in I, I'm, I'm assuming just when looking at it, he doesn't think of it in regards to just like, oh, how, like what would it actually look like? He's like, how can I use color? Like I think about I think it's on page nine. Mm -hmm. Um, the shot of the old Miltron Megazord sort of like jumping forward with its weapon. It's like, look at the way he loses the blue, the green in the background to try yeah. and give it that extra flow and create energy and movement. I just think that he really does. He, his is, you know, he's an unsung hero in a book. That's a, that's about colors. Uh, that's so important. Walters, he's the best. He's the absolute best. And every time you get him, you're just like, this guy brings every single thing you can possibly ask for he's just like there's it's crazy it's absolutely insane i do not envy the amount of colors he has oh, to keep uh, in mind yeah yes. it's the color palettes that he uses for just for this issue and and just for these few pages with uh with the horde are are pretty rad they're yeah. they're awesome so with with the horde it's kind of like did they just suck up so much energy that they also destroyed themselves <laughs> Is that kind of the intention here? Yeah, I think they were like mosquitoes and they basically started to suck on him. And then he just was like, oh, if you want this, I'll give it to you. And then he just let it go and it destroyed them. So that's yeah. what he loses a lot of his power destroying them. But he's weaker now because of them. 
That was the way that I looked at it was like, okay, they're going to come in. They're not going to win, but they're going to take it down enough of a notch to sure. be able to, to, so that, that they, that we can take them out at the end. So yes, Draken doesn't save the day, but he does help. And to be fair, I will say this. I think at one point he was going to save the day. Uh, and I had actually written it that way. And like early on in the outlining process, I was like, oh yeah, and Draken's going to come in. And the thing that Zordon was like so mad at basically ends up saving them. Right. Which is the idea of like, how dare you take Draken? Well, if they don't take Draken and Draken doesn't learn his lesson and, and go find the horde, then they don't win. So I thought yeah. that was a nice thing. But ultimately, I think I think Daphne talked me out of it and was just like, you can't give it to Draken. Like, he's right. not, yeah. yeah, like, and so that's when we came up with the idea of, okay, let's give it to the Blue Emissary. Let's let's give it to them. I just love Draken's line at the end of that when, when the Imperial is still there and he's like, oh, that was disappointing. Yeah, he's just <laughs> like, well, that didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. Did my best. You can hear it in like that older Tommy voice, you know? Yeah. Well, that's disappointing. <laughs> yeah. Like he's like, hey, totally. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. And then this is the final battle here. And with Zed, since Zordon was stabbed in the back, it's kind of up to Zed to save the day in a way at, at first. Mm-hmm. And for Zardis to get kind of lay it all out on the table, like he blandly says, like, Look, the whole reason you made Zordon chief guardian instead of me. Yep. Screw you. <laughs> yep. It was like, at the end of the day, like you stabbed me in the back when I cared about you more than anything. And that hurt me a lot. And I want you to know that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And the ultimate resolution here and what I love on, on this page, uh, I think it's at least page 17 on, on my PDF where you start to see there's there's no dialogue, but there's the text or, of the Zeon and Vatara myth yeah. that Zordon told, you know, all those issues ago. And Zafram gets what's coming to him in a mirror of how Lord yeah. Zed became Lord Zed when the flesh was ripped away from from his body. So can you speak to that a bit? This is actually Michael Basudel, who's uh, edits a lot of my books and was one of the, is another mm-hmm. Ranger podcaster. He, I talked to him about this early on. I remember we were talking, I was trying to figure out how the final moment would happen. And I can't remember how I was talking about him. And I was like, you know, I have this, it would be, how, do, how does Zordon beat Zardis? And I was like, well, Zardis, use the Zeo crystal to destroy Zofram and ultimately destroy everything. It'd be a really nice poetic turnaround if Zordon, yeah. now that he's wearing a robot body, could somehow use the Zeo crystal, pick up the Zeo crystal and destroy Zardis with the very thing that he destroyed them with. And I was like, well, how does that work with like a robot body being able, if you can't touch the Zeo crystal. And I was like, you know, what if it just does so much damage to him and to Zardis that it's like, yeah, you could grab it with a robot body. It would destroy you. And so I was, that was the way that I was thinking about it. And so I was like, I just liked the poetry of it. Like you can, you could get into the, the, the weeds a little bit of like, well, why doesn't Zed just grab a robot body to pick up the Zeo crystal and all that stuff? But like, eh, whatever. I, I felt like the explosion was brutal enough that it's it, that he saw what would happen if he tried to do it. Anyways, that's my, I just yeah. know some people will probably have an issue with that. But anyways, so I knew when I wanted, I liked the, the, I liked that moment. I remember I went back and I was looking at the issue and I remembered the story that I wrote which is the story of Zordon telling them what the nursery rhyme that he was told by his parents about where the Zeocaster came from. And I was like, Oh my gosh, there's a lot like he is Zeon. Like I I, like, that's the moment. Like when he heard that story, his dad didn't know that he was telling him the story of the act, the actual story of the moment Zeon saved the world. And so I built that story around 
this moment, knowing mm. that that's how I wanted to pay it off. So this, I, I in the outline stage, I knew I wanted it to be a Zeo crystal, and then I was like, I want to set up the moment, and I would love it to make the idea of making Zordon sort of like a mythical hero, like he's sort of like the first warrior god, and so that was the whole idea. This panel where Zardis is is getting ripped apart. It's not as brutal as <laughs> Dan Mora, but it's close. Yeah, it's, it's close. not quite. There's not like we're, 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 not we the aren't blood playing the, him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but the but, one thing that I will say, like he got blasted by the Zeo crystal. Who knows where he is? Like, I'll right. just say this. Like he, he might be dead, but when you take on the full blast of something that powerful, who's to say what happened to you? Just saying. Okay. Okay. Well, just saying th- th- that'll be out there now. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I forgot to touch upon this, but when just a small shot, I love that Marco drew, like we got a shot inside the ultra Omega Zord and they're all yeah. at their consoles and Yale is just like right front and center behind Jason. And he's got that like platform. They all got controls and he's got like his movement platform. Yeah. I think, I think I owed it. I was like, I got to like, people are going to wonder how the heck that works. I was like, can we get one shot with that? And so I remember drawing that in the outline. I was like, let's do that. Yeah. Yeah, so so cool, so cool. But um, going back to the final moments with the Purple Imperial, he still gets some shots in. Like, he literally blows the Thunder <laughs> yeah. Megazord in half. It's brutal. Yeah, it's a little brutal, yeah. Well, I, I guess I think I was like, well, I kept saying these guys were, like, the most powerful entities yeah. in, the, in the universe. Like, they they should, they should blown up worlds. They should be able to blow up a giant robot. And so, yeah, there was a version here also. I We, we entertained it where I was going to have all of them merge into one Megazord. Oh, okay. I thought about it. And sure. I just didn't know how to do that in a way that <laughs> wouldn't look like a giant totem pole. And... <laughs> I just thought it was just going to look so silly. And so I ultimately was like, let's not do that. And so I thought it was one thing that I sort of liked about what we had done with the the command center and with Promethea and with is like take is like tearing everything down. And so I thought, well, there could be a really interesting moment here. Like it beat the horrid. And then it just unloads on the power Rangers. And Mm -hmm. in a way that you're like, Wow, like what are the defenses of Earth right now? Like there's not a like that Zords are all kind of jacked up and we got some problems. And I sort of liked the, the, the status quo that that would create going forward for for Mighty Morphin and for Power Rangers. And mm-hmm. after that, and I like the idea that like there's a cost, even if it's just the robots, there's a cost to victory where yeah. like they're going to have to rebuild some stuff. They don't just everything just doesn't go back to normal and we're going to have to deal with that. And so I've heard criticism and I've heard people be like, why didn't you give the Power Rangers? It would be nice if the Power Rangers got the win. And I was like, the Power Rangers did get the win. <laughs> like they, yeah, they did win. Yeah. Like they're all one team. Like it wasn't, it's like, like, you know, like the principal, the principal didn't run out there and save them. It was the blue emissary that was with them that they resurrected. That had been the thing that yeah. he even says is like, you guys were the ones that allowed me, I, you know, you were the storm of bravery. I was the drop of water. So like, I look at them as all one team. Yes. I guess I could have made a giant Megazord out of all three of these guys and then had them use a super sword. Sure. That would have been cool. But I don't know, like that, that would have looked kind of silly. So that was just my that was my approach to it. I, I, like, not to yeah. say that hey, now saying that, not to say that I won't make a giant Megazord out of all of them <laughs> at some point on the line. And I will I will pretend I never said it was silly. But like that was my approach. To it. it was like I just sure. thought I liked the idea that there was a toll to the victory that would even if it wasn't life, at least there was significant property damage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And. <laughs> 
<laughs> probably the most satisfying full circle moment. Because I remember all the way back when when they had those uh, story covers for Necessary Evil and just the Imperial ripping the Red Emissary in half. And now it's completely come full circle with, with the Blue Emissary. And I don't know if... Do you write who the emissary is in these situations like who they're switching between i wish i could say yes but no i do not that's that's all on the artist i let them have the fun because i was like you draw whatever you draw whatever ones you want to Um, okay i just love the fact though that and you can tell marco this i just love the fact that it's mighty morphin and then their next iteration with zeo i just and everything with the zeo crystal I, I just love that for this moment. That's the thing that I think is so great about when you have a good collaborator. Like there's a lot of stuff that Marco and Francisco both do that I don't know about. Or like I look at and I go, that means that like what's cool about that is they're thinking about storytelling. They're not just yeah. drawing what's they're just like what drawing what looks cool. They're thinking about this at like a pretty cerebral level. And like when you have collaborators who are doing that, that is so much like that's just they're they're doing your job for you, which is mm-hmm. nice. But yeah, I agree with you. I love that. That was sort of the iteration of these two. It feels like a nice sort of it feels like that it's a the chap like one chapter leading into another kind of thing. And this kicks off the epilogue here because both Tommy and Jason want Draken and and I mean they can't do anything. He's like, you know, Draken's like, yeah, I'll take the credit and you know, Tommy's like, come down here right now and I just love that Draken just calls him stupid, stupid me. me. <laughs> That is my ode to Invader Zim. Uh, my favorite, I've, I've said it before, like my favorite line of Invader Zim is like, excellent work, me. And I was like, it's my favorite thing. And so I was like, I channeled my inner Invader Zim there with like, yeah, okay, another time, stupid me. <laughs> I, oh, I, I, I love that. And then, yeah, you get this overlay of what the Blue Emissary is kind of answering their question, like where Zordon yeah. And that that shot of Lord Zed over Zordon is yeah. is incredible. Yeah. Well, I just like the idea that like one of the things is always sort of frustrating. It's like it's like the end of Return of the Jedi. Right. Where there's like like no one knows what else is happening in the world, but everybody's celebrating. And I was just like, well, they don't like it, it would be really bad if all the Power Rangers are just like, yay, we did it. Hey, where's Zordon? Oh, no. Like it just I like that their immediate <laughs> yeah. reaction is like not one of of happiness, but right. of like, where's our, where's our guy? Like what happened? Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea that even the, the blue emissaries are like, I kind of know, but, um, this isn't over. Like, like there's one more yeah. moment to deal with. So I was like, it's not all celebrate yet. We don't know what happens. And, and just tee up that next moment. Cause then the next scene that I wrote power Rangers 16 was something that I really, really, really wanted to write. And like, was something that I was like, kind of the reason I wrote the big battle was to get into this. So like, I'm really glad I was able to sort of take a moment so that these two can just have a conversation. Yeah. And last week when we released like the preview pages, cause it was so cool. Cause boom was like, Hey, do you want to reveal the exclusive first look at this? And I'm like, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> and, and I think just, just the fan response on Twitter, just from, the preview pages just for this conversation. I mean, people were saying this, this is the kind of like Lord Zed that they've wanted for, for years. Better late than never. I'm glad I got, I finally glad I finally got there. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what you've wanted to write and forever. And we don't see a lot of like, we know Lord Zed is, 
you know, a, a very calculating and he's not dumb. He's, he's smart. And I just love this philosophical conversation about what is the morphing grid? Like what, where's the, the power protect you? What is, what power? Like what, yeah. what is this? Why do you believe in that? This came from, and I will be honest, like I, I knew that this was going to be a moment and I knew that I wanted it to be about their different philosophical approaches to everything. Like this mm-hmm. was the moment where it was like, I was going to I was going to have a moment where I was like, why doesn't Zed kill him? Like, why is it? Why is Zed like Zordon's there? He should just kill him. And I think there was a version where there was one where like he couldn't get to him because he was on the other side of a force field or something stupid like that. And I was like, yeah. no, man, like I got to actually earn this I, or at least I have to try to earn it. Whether or not it's successful, we'll see. But the, the, the what I liked was somebody said and I don't know who it was, but somebody it was a tweet or something had said something really early on. And they said, I can't ever hear may the power protect you the same way anymore because of the way that the Eltarians use it. The bad guys have been Mm. using it. Mm -hmm. And that, and that bothered me because I thought, Oh man, I don't want to rob people of that's like taking away. May the force be with you. Like, I don't want to do, I don't want to do that. I, and I, I was like, so I want to earn, I was, my goal was was like, I want to try to earn that back. Mm -hmm. And so I thought about it. And this is one of those things like may the power protector. It's something we've said a thousand times. I throw it into, you know, it's just something it's, it's part of the, the, the vernacular of the power ranger world. But like when you actually think about what is the power and I was like, I like the idea of actually trying to figure out what that meant. So I love the idea that a Zed could literally say like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And like, they have, they can talk about, they can have a five, like they have a three page conversation yeah. about the nature of the universe. Cause they both seen such different things. And I, and some of my favorite stuff is the stuff that Zed says about like, like, do you honestly believe that there's something out that there's somebody that is, there's a greater power than us. Cause if you actually, if you go back and uh, it's in um, I think it's in mighty Morphin number 15 when they're fighting, let me look it up really fast. There's sure. a fight between them where I, I thought about this. I was already thinking about, I think it's actually, sorry, it's mighty Morphin 16. It's in the middle of the fight. It's the first line when they're first fighting it's on page top of page five. When um, after Zardis does that whole thing about look at us together all along, it would seem fate wants to finish the job. The, the line that Zed said is, there is no fate Zardis. This yes. is somebody who does not believe that there is a, anything greater than us de- de- like dictating our actions. There is no God, God essence mm-hmm. or whatever you want to look at it. He doesn't, he is the master of his own destiny. And so that, that was what started this conversation for me, which was this idea of like, he doesn't believe that he's like, when you've seen enough tragedy in your life, you start to you start to realize that you're not special or at least you start to believe that you're not special. Mm-hmm. And so I like that he was like calling Zordon out on the idea of like, you're doing all this because you believe in some, you're some instrument for a higher power. And what I thought was great was that Zordon says, I do believe like it's not a, something greater dictating my action. It's my action actions that dictate something greater. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that was something that I thought was really cool. Was like we all create the like we all if we all do the right thing, that will create order in the universe, and that will create a greater power. Yeah. And I don't know even if I even knew that when I was writing it, but that's what I wanted to give, which is this idea that like we're all in this together, and that Zordon believes in that, and that he believes that the actions of everybody working towards the right goal can give potentially the illusion of a greater power. It can give the illusion of 
of of good triumphing over evil and that it that that there's something dictating all our actions and that we are all the power and that's something mm-hmm. that I've always wanted to put into words and I was very happy that I was able to try to do it at sort of the climax of the Altarian War. Oh, so so good, so good. And we see Lord Zed carry Zordon to one of the portals and I just just alpha like, "Oh, yes. Um hello. Hey! Uh, hmm. Are you going to yeah. break me?" <laughs> <laughs> And then we we start wrapping up everything else with Sentry uh, Force Four. Can I can um, I interrupt for one second? Yeah, sure. There was one little line that I was very proud of. Oh, um, sure. It's it's on four when he says Zofram and he says I oh, truly yeah. am sorry. And the line that he says is if there was any way that I could sacrifice myself and turn you back into the man you were, I would. That obviously is a direct foreshadowing of what happens in in space. That was yes. the, that was the idea was to like. He's going to like, don't worry, Zordon, you're going to, you're going to do that for him at some point. You're ultimately going to, and that's the, yeah, like, I like the destruction. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah. the idea that I like what's in the first, and he calls him Zofram again and he goes, that's the problem. My friend, I was never that man. Like he just doesn't, I'm not that person you think I am, but like, that's mm-hmm. what, and that's the divide, right? I'm not the man you think I am. Um, but I like that. He calls him my friend. It's the only time that I think he really does yeah. it in like a, in an honest way. And that's the, yeah. to me, this moment is the closest they will ever be to being friends again. And I don't think this is, this is as close as they'll ever get. And I don't think they'll ever be friends again after this. Yeah. Like they're, this isn't this. I don't think Zed's going to change who he is for Zordon. So no. yeah. So anyways, that was, that was something I was very happy with. Cause I was like, it'd be cool to be able to like tip the ending of yes the whole story. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for calling that. Cause I, what was I thinking? Like skipping that part, but oh, no, uh, yeah. dude, we've been talking for three and a half hours. Oh. <laughs> I can't even see anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is the big, um, just overall epilogue. So I guess like, what would you want to say about, about this issue? Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of kind of like threads out there too. Cause you don't completely end the story, obviously. One of the things that I really liked was the secret conversation between Draken and Trini. Yeah, that was sort of wrapping up um, just to chick through them, like like the things I was right. Like I wanted to make sure yeah. that that the Century Force for that they weren't monsters and that you understood that they were fighting for something larger, but that they could ultimately be allies of the Power Rangers at some point. I don't Mm -hmm. think they are necessarily bad guys. I think they're soldiers. They were just fighting for the wrong side. And I'd love to do more of them because I really like writing those characters. I really like Zag. I really like Zeta uh, Zero Zero. I even think Zenith is interesting. I like... I'm a big fan of um, the uh, I've really liked Bad Batch, the the Star Wars yes. Clone Wars. And like, I love the the way that those characters, like, I love that group. And there's like Crosshair is like one of my, I thought Crosshair was a really cool character. So Zenith is sort of my version of Crosshair. And even, even Zero Zero just saying, look, I, this is wrong. I just want to go done. home after. I want to go yeah. home. Yeah. yeah. She's just like, this is wrong. Can we please just get out of here? Like, this is like, we, we can deal with our reactions later. So that was my intention for that. But then mm-hmm. getting, and then getting into sort of like, you know, just all of it and, and yeah, bringing Draken in, I just thought he left so quickly. I was like, I feel like there's a piece of that story. That's not fully finished. Like mm-hmm. I want, like one of the things that I didn't realize as I was writing power Rangers was like that. This is like, 
Trini sort of became Draken's emotional foil for a lot of scenes. If you go back yeah. and read them all, like there's the, in the horrid, like he tries to manipulate her and she, she does the thing of like, of course I want to trust you, but you know, does I have, do I have stupid written crap in my forehead, which he does the call back here. And, yeah. and then when they're on Onyx and she's like having to go in there and break out Jason and basically kind of calls out Draken on being the kind of person that he is about being self-serving. And he explains what you know, his, he opens up to her and tells her what it's like to what it was like to grow up on the streets and not have a, you be able to sleep because someone's going to steal your shoes. And, and like, you don't, we, you don't, don't judge me without walking in my shoes, like in a sense. And the idea that all the way through to even the moment when he destroys Z and throws the robot down to her yeah. and like betrays them. Like there's a lot of that. I wanted to show that the two of them had sort of really understood each other even just a little bit like i don't they're not friends she's no. she desperate she would if he came back she would throw him in jail <laughs> like like you know like but like there's an understanding that these two have and even at the end i like the idea that she looks at draken and goes he's not in entirely a monster there's a little bit of tommy still in there which is why she calls him tommy which is why she's like you don't have to be the thing that you're pretending to be mm -hmm. and whether or not she's right or wrong we'll see i don't personally want to redeem Drake, and i think he's interesting yeah. as a villain but i also think that he is still a part of him is still tommy oliver and i think she understood that even if she wasn't willing to admit that at the beginning and the two of them have sort of seen each other for who they are and i, yeah. I and I, I like that so that that was the, the idea i thought they're, they're not friends i'm not he's not not new uh he's not going to be the he's not going to be a good guy but like he's also not an absolute 100% monster and I, I just like she get she got that like final Tommy in there, just yeah. kind of re reiterating like, hey, there's there's still something about you. If I go back, I think she tries to call him that a few times and he doesn't respond to it or doesn't like yeah. that she calls him that. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of there's a lot of themes of the idea of one person talk calling the other person the other name. Like, you know, in the same way that Zed is off from Draken is 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 Tommy and so like that. So that was it was fun to play with that a little bit kind of ramping up the thread with Zordon's body and Grace comes in to help. And I just like that there's that kind of that understanding between them. And even though that she just says like, I'm going to help you, but I get to keep the dragon coin. Like, <laughs> well, he basically threatened to take it from her when yeah. it was all over. Yeah. And now she's like, I'm going to help save your life. Yeah. So maybe you don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Just this payoff here with Zordon on top of the white tiger dragon Zord. Wow. Just su such an impactful moment here. Yeah. I just thought like he doesn't get to, he's got the same view for like a really long time. And <laughs> yeah. And if he's going to go down, I like the idea that like he gets, it's, a, uh, it's the same way that he goes and sits on the tree at the beginning. It's like he let, you know, he's going to go. And the way that you think about the power Rangers, if you go read, go, go power Rangers, number one, you can like the way that you meet the power Rangers for the first time is them sitting on top of their sword, looking out. Yeah. Uh, and I just thought it'd be cool to be able to sort of have him do the same thing. And just like, you know, he gets to be also alone. That was the mm -hmm. thing that I wanted. I wanted him to be alone because when you are in a giant chamber, you're, you know, you, you've got, he's always with alpha. He's always with the Rangers, you know, yeah. like the idea that he could, he has the ability to go and just look out at something by himself would probably mean a lot to somebody because he might not ever get to do it again. What was he looking at? Was it just kind of like the ocean off of Promethea? 
Yeah, I think he was just looking out at the world. You know, he was just looking, and, and I, I and he's and he's crying. I think he's thinking yeah. about everything that happened. I think he's just like, it's like I'm lucky to be here, and this is my. I'm gonna go back in the tube, and this is sort of my last moment by myself. And you know, I think he's dealing with a lot of stuff. The Omega Rangers get to say goodbye to the Blue Emissary, and I think this moment is is very important because the Blue Emissary still realizes that you know there's there's things that he still has to do to kind of rebuild and and maintain what he says maintain order. I, I can't do it alone. So one of the things I appreciated was just the the name drop of of the Morphin Masters, just because they've become so important recently. Um, you know, the past couple of years and right. in Power Rangers media, and I just like this send off where Trini's saying we can't do this without you, and he's like. I mean, you did this whole thing without me. You did it all without me. Yeah. This was actually one of those late things where like I had written it to always be, this was actually originally going to be a scene where Zordon was going to say all this to them. Mm. Um, And what I realized is he'd already kind of said that to them in the spaceship when he was like, you know, like I trust you. And I was like, and also when I brought the emissary back kind of at the last minute to be the thing that, that won, not last minute, but like in the outline stage when I was like, oh, okay, it'll, sure. it'll be, it'll be the, the blue emissary. I was like, oh, well, wait, wait a minute. The blue emissary is back. And if the whole theme of the Power Rangers run is that they no longer need someone to tell them what to do because they are their own people he can't stay. He can't be with them. Like, otherwise it was like, Oh, thank God dad's home. You know, like it's just like, <laughs> you know, it had to be a story about independence. It had to be a story about these three kids who, who don't have a leader struggle to find out who that and, and make like go, literally, as he says there, they went out there, they thought they were lost. They learned the power and the responsibility of making their own decisions and people got hurt, but they ultimately found their way and figured out a way to, to still do the right thing. And I just thought he doesn't have to stay now. He like his goal was to make the Omega Rangers. He's they're proven to be okay without him. He's got bigger. He's got a, a bigger deal and a larger story to fix and the whole universe to oversee. He yeah. it's like I don't have to. I don't have to be the helicopter parent with you anymore. I'm. You guys have proven you don't need that, so I can go do something else. And I just thought that was something that would make for a cool arc for them. It's like I'm gonna mm-hmm. go deal with this because obviously some crazy stuff has happened. There's like. All, almost all the emissaries are dead. The Imperials are gone. Like, what's going on out there? Like, what's where are the Morphin Masters? And so the idea of like sending him off on that adventure while they're sort of left to sort of protect protect space and whatever thing out there felt like a cool next evolution for them because now they're yeah. you know they're on their own and they know that Zordon uh, is now in a, a temporary tube until the uh, a lava until, lamp, as I like yeah, to call yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> and it definitely looks like one. Like I, <laughs> I like I like this, um, but he gets to have this uh, conversation with uh, Zella because we really don't know when we're we're, we're going to see her again. So, where did you want to leave her in this story? I will call it one line. I like when he's like, how do you feel? I feel circular. I was like, well, you're back in the <laughs> tube again. <laughs> so this is home. And he just yeah, says it yeah. with such disdain. I was like, oh, all right, well, this is home. Okay. I, like I said, originally I'd had, I was going to, to sort of bump her off, but I also realized Zordon, 
is on earth. And so like who takes over back home? And I was, so I realized I sort of needed to keep her because I needed one good, like, you know, one good Altarian who could sort of go back and take it upon themselves because they, like they've made a lot of mistakes and she's going to have to go back. And she was part of those mistakes, even if she didn't know about it. And so she's going to have to go back and clean up the mess. And so I liked the idea that she had gone from sort of just a, an agent working for Zardis. And she's a lot like Zordon was in the flashbacks. I do like that she's from his company, Bronze Company. Yeah, exactly. And so like the idea is that she's sort of the new, she's Zordon. She's like, mm-hmm. you, you're going to be like, and he even says that, like, I'm a servant of Eltar. And she's like, I don't, you don't need a servant. They need a leader. They need somebody who can go back there. And he has faith in her to be able to go do that. And I think that's the only reason he could, I needed to give, she had to step into that role because I needed to be able to explain why he stays on earth because otherwise it makes no sense. But I did like this idea that like fate continues to show me that my place is here. It's like, there's a lot of stuff that keeps happening on earth. Maybe this is why I'm supposed to be here as opposed to being home. And if you remember at the beginning, all he wants to do is go home. Yeah. And so like he's, his arc is that he realizes that this is where I need to be. And there's that concept of fate again. Yeah, exactly. Like he believes in that and he believes in the larger power. May the power protect you, man. He, like, yep. I think he has to believe in fate in some ways because otherwise <laughs> it's just like, what's that power? I don't know. Something. <laughs> the minions here are, are given a choice. They can go to safe Haven or back to the moon palace. And I just like that Tommy and Jason are here giving them that choice. And so reluctantly too. Oh yeah. It's just like, I don't want to do it, but you guys did help us. Like, <laughs> I, I, and I love that Tommy, even, even Tommy can't help, but like dig at him. It's like, where well, you're going to, you know, he's like, you're going to go back to the moon and continue to grovel and serve Lord Zed and eventually fail to take over. Like, it's just like, <laughs> you can do one thing or get your butt kicked every day. We obviously have a preference of which one we'd like to do. And so I like the idea that they're so doing this reluctantly. They do not yeah. want to do this, but like, all right. Zordon says, you know, that they deserve a choice because they help save us. So we're not going to lock you up. So let us know. Um, and once again, like, this is it. This is the moment. You've been asking the question over and over again. Why do you stay with Zed? And they go back. And so I owed an answer. Yeah. But before that, obviously, I got to to do my last little, like, happy little, my, my soap. <laughs> I love this. Oh, good. After everything that you put poor Skullovich through, yeah, <laughs> he finally gets the truth. And I like that there were three pages dedicated to this because th- that's such a payoff for him. Yeah, I think I owed it. I made a too big of a deal out of this storyline. He was looking for it the entire time. Yeah. Like I needed... I needed there to be an, at least enough of a wrap up here, I think. And in three panels, he goes from shock to <laughs> overjoyed to completely pissed off. Yeah. I love that he sees her and he's like, he goes from like, he's like, he yeah, literally, he's like, he's, he's from happy to sat to angry so quickly. Yeah. He's processing it he's, he's at the same speed we are. Obviously skull has to stay on earth just because you know yeah. how the, the, how the show uh, played out. I just really liked how it played off. It was very sweet. I like that out of all of this, he, he does get the kiss at the end. He gets to say goodbye and it's just such a sweet moment. And I'm glad skull like got a win because throughout what was built in, in go-go and, and mighty Morphin and what was in the show, Hulk and skull, they're not bad guys. They're just, oh. they have great emotions too. And, you know, especially skull in power ranger Zio, like they, they really elevated his character with a couple episodes. And I, I just like that that's continuing in, in the comics. 
Well, I actually had dinner with Jason uh, Narvi uh, at uh, C2E2. Yeah. And yeah. And so I got to tell him a little bit about some of the stuff that I'd done with the character. And I was like, you're dating an alien. And he's like, well, it's about time. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he's he's a really smart guy and has a lot of really Mm -hmm. interesting stuff to say about that whole process and being on that show for so long. But yeah, this whole section, the whole Candace thing, it's so weird. Like I knew when I brought her in that I just thought, well, I want to introduce a girl to mess up the relationship between Bulk and Skull. Like that was yeah. the original impetus, right? And then I did know pretty early on that if I if I was wanting to, I knew she was going to be an Altarian pretty early because I knew that if I wanted to have the story not feel like a complete B story the entire time that wasn't connected to the to the Power Rangers, she would have that, that Candace would have to be somehow connected to the larger Power Ranger story. It's something I've learned from working on other shows. If you don't figure out a way to, to include side characters in the main storyline, then you have a hard time finding ways to to get them in the story in an organic way. So when I realized she was going to be an alien, I was like, well, I've got to take her off this off this off the table. And then I told you I did the the Roman and Juliet of it all, but like I when. I realized that I wasn't going to kill her. I went back and read some of Gogo, and I remember the scene on the Ferris wheel between Skull and Kimberly, where he turns down Kimberly after she breaks up with yeah. with Tommy, and and he talks a lot about what it's like to be like with his what his how he knows about his mom and what it's like to go through pain. And so I always was like, this guy's a pretty empathetic character, and mm-hmm. and so like I really did want to try and give him like a nice resolution. I didn't want him to leave, like never knowing what happened to Candace. I just felt like she should come and tell him the truth. And, and ultimately I think she loves him. I think she loves Skull and I think Skull loves her. And I think ultimately though, his friendship and with, with bulk is the defining thing. That's the most important thing in the world to him. And he's not going to leave his friend for that. Exactly. And so that's why I think like they have a nice moment. And like, I know like I could have created a double and he went and left, but who's to say that she won't come back someday and they don't sure. end up together down the line. Like who knows? Like you, know, you never know. So I, I just felt like I didn't want him to go through a situation where he never knew that who she really was, because that's yeah. not, she had in order to really love her, He's got to know who she is. And in I love that when he sees her, like, you're bald. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's the thing. And he doesn't judge her, you yeah. know, when, when he learns the truth because he knows her. So, like, you know, to me, I don't know. That's I, I like that he's a pretty empathetic character. And even at this moment, he sort of knows who she really is, even though she technically, I guess, lied to him the entire time. Just like his line, you look fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. She loves blue. And then we get the final resolution here with uh, the the minions and Lord Zed, and I think he's even more evil with a cracked visor. Like it's just, <laughs> it's he so never bad. fixes it. It's yeah. like a bad iPhone. It's just like his eye. It's all cracked. He's like, I'm not getting repaired. It's a warp. Yeah. It just goes to show how complicated their relationship is because they're still groveling, and they're like, he's like liars. But but even though he says liars, but he's like, well, you still did good job. Well done. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, the part of this is this the idea of like, he's been li- the lying is have been really bothering him. Right. Like the idea, like mm-hmm. he just dealt with the whole Zardis and Zordon thing. And the fact that Babu, who's sort of like the most deceptive of all of them, tells him the truth that we're not staying here because of you. We're staying here because of we are who we are. And the person that we do respect it would, it would just, yeah. it was Rita and we it would disappoint her. So you can rely, like in the, at least he understands that he can rely on them for that alone. 
And as, and I think there's a certain level of respect to like, at least you told me the truth and, and you did what I asked you to do. You actually completed a mission that I asked you to do. So let's do this. Let's get back to work and everybody knows where we stand and you know why you're staying here. And I know why I've got you here and, and we can be one big, happy, dysfunctional family. And Lord Zed takes off his helmet and, and that's it. That's the end. Yep, because you never know when tragedy's coming around the corner. That's the that's yeah. man. That was that was yeah. So I always kind of knew I wanted to end it on just a broken visor of of his helmet too. I just felt like, well, that's him in a nutshell, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I actually got a couple questions from our listeners. Oh, awesome! We got Stephen Martinez at Random Nineties Fan. He said, "What will be something that you will miss about doing these two series?" Now, now I know that. I mean, we all know that you're sticking around for Power Rangers. Um, right. But he said, so what will you miss about doing two series and what's something that fans can look forward to with your focus being more with the Omega Rangers moving forward? That's a good question. What will I miss? I will miss doing such a large story. Like it's mm-hmm. really intimidating and scary, but man, like giving your, like who gets to do 32 issue epic yeah. story? Like I kind of have treated each one of my runs, I think as like TV seasons a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like I look at them like Go-Go was once, it's like season one and Necessary Evil was season two and Unlimited Power and the Altarian War was sort of like season three. So like they're all like, I look at them as sort of like movements, right? Yeah. Um. So I'll, I'm going to miss doing that, that the, the scope. And I'm, I am going to be honest, I'm going to miss writing the original Mighty Morphin Rangers because like mm-hmm. I still wish that I had been able to find a way to tell smaller stories about the Stone Canyon trio. I would I would have really liked to have done that. I tried in small ways. Mm-hmm. It's just that like it was hard to find the the moments when you were doing these really big stories with all these characters. It was just like you you've read the books like it's just hard to find sure. Like I tried to do little things here and there but I would have really liked to have done sort of a go-go level storytelling of them. Mm-hmm. And maybe if I was a better writer, I would have found a way to implement those or like, you know, do a one-off issue that was just that. And like, that would have been, maybe I should have done that. I'm not going to deny that, but like, I would have, I think that's going to be the only thing that I will really miss was like, I really wanted to to do that. But the good news is Matt's going to take over and I'm sure Matt's going to do a much better job than, and he's going to do exactly that. So that's the thing I'll miss. And then uh, what the third part was, what should you expect from just writing the power, the, uh, the, um, yeah, just, just what something fans can look forward to with your focus being on more of the Omega Rangers going forward? Um, What's really cool about doing the Omega Rangers for me is that I finally figured out, I I know what, so I've said like if season one, season two, go-go, like if you look at go-go and then Nessar Evil and then Unlimited Power, Eltarian War, like I've looked at all, like go-go is high school, Nessar Evil is college, Unlimited Power, and Eltarian War to me is like the years after college, like your early 20s, like mid 20s when you're trying to figure out your life, right? And so I know what the next arc's going to be. It's going to be what's that part after college when your career starts to set off and you you are now doing the thing that you are going to do the rest of your life. And what happens when other parts like what what are the other parts that come in later on mm-hmm. in your life? Um, and how are those? So it's like the I'm show, I'm doing like a whole run of life. I'm like I'm doing each chapter is like a different stage of someone's life. And so I'm really excited about the next stage for the for the Omega Rangers because there's a lot of fun story stuff that I found getting to explore slightly. I'm not gonna say older because they're not that much mm-hmm. older, but experience level older characters. I get to dig into them in a way that like they're not like they're not worried about am I good enough yet. 
They're not worried about like, oh man, like, can we handle this? Like they know who they are. They've yeah. saved the universe three times now. Like they know who they are. Now it's, they, they know what they can do. Now they have to decide who they are and if this is what they want to do with the rest of their lives and and all that stuff. So I know it's a little vague because I don't want to give any spoilers sure, away, sure, but, sure, sure, yeah. but that's the part that I'm excited about is like, I kind of know what the next step is. And so I'm excited yeah. for to be able to evolve. The, and to be able to evolve those characters is really cool because I'm not, locked into stuff that happened in the show i'm not locked into right. zeo or the ninja powers or any of that stuff i'm just doing the, the omega rangers are their own entity and i can do whatever i want which is really really cool nice J- just a couple more comments uh lol bro haha uh which is a great screen name uh said and you can be as cheeky about this because this is a little spoiler but with a name like that i better be yeah Uh, (laughs) he said will the omega rangers reach a new form of power now that they have finally come together and he said p.s the omega rangers are the greatest power ranger team ever and thank you for giving us fans the epic stories we deserve well, that's awesome. I'm very glad to hear that. And yes, their power level and what they are is a very big part of the next arc. Awesome. Yeah. And then uh, finally, Meta at Meta Meek said, you know, with a lot of talk about a Power Rangers cinematic universe in the works, has Ryan been approached to work on any of it or heard any <laughs> whispers? Not that you could tell anyways, but he said he would kill it in an animated show, in my humble opinion. Uh, oh, I appreciate that. I am not involved in any of the stuff that's going on beyond the comic books. I know people that are, um, yeah. and they're very talented people, which is very cool. And I think I've said this. I have heard that who's running the whole thing and whistle and whistle. That's what it is. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. I have heard through rumors and the internet and whatnot that he likes the comic books and has said very, very nice things about them. So if you like the comic books and the guy who's running the the whole Power Ranger <laughs> things likes the comic books as well, that's a good sign for people yeah. um, hopefully going forward. So yeah, like I'm excited. I'm like you guys. I'm just excited to, to see what they do. And it's really cool that they're trying, that they're going to go into this thing with like a plan and some bold, it sounds like some bold ideas about what they were they want to go so if you're a power ranger fan you should be totally excited for this i I don't you know i know some people are disappointed that the 2017 movie didn't get didn't get a sequel that cast is doing just fine though um (laughs) and so but you know like the it feels like hasbro bought it to do big things with it and so who knows what you're gonna get like i I think the sky's the limit and so you know if any point they came to me and they were like hey do you want to be a part of the animated show or the tv show or the movie i would be flattered and be as helpful and as as they'd want so you know i'm always available but i have a feeling that there's 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 better writers than me out there that i'm sure will do a better job well ryan i want to thank you so much for your time it's a privilege just to talk with you and just kind of hang out and and just nerd out about power rangers like i always really appreciate these so thank you so much much well thank you and and now we're gonna do the three hour boba fett talk right we're gonna just go <laughs> look out for my new uh star wars podcast there we go yeah we did do an april fool's joke where we did like a star wars podcast. oh did you oh that's yeah, awesome we did we did yeah <laughs> well if you ever do any star trek talks i'm i'm, I'm around oh, i'd love it dude I, I will talk you off on that stuff oh me too dude i am loving everything that's going on like just back-to-back weeks of star trek like i'm <laughs> I'm just elated. It's for it's been a while, so it's very exciting. Oh, yeah. 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 
Uh, but I always want to say thanks for having me on here. It really is. This is so helpful for me as a writer and somebody who doesn't, you know, you spend a lot of time writing in your own room and, and, yeah. and, and these things come out and like, and I'm, you know, it's, and to be fair, like I will be honest about this. Like, it's a little scary to go out there and look for people's opinions on your work. Cause you know, it hurts sometimes when people are like, I hated this and this was terrible. And, and like, sometimes it hurts when they're right. <laughs> like that's the other thing <laughs> they make a point and you're like, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought of that. So like that stuff is, is up, but like, it's, it's really nice to be able to talk to you about this stuff and us because in some really really wonderful ways for me being able to try to put the stuff into words helps me so much with what i'm writing now like what i'm trying to figure out now because it, it makes me have to make to, to recognize the things that i hopefully did right and some of the things that it, maybe i didn't do right or i wanted to do and then i'm able to implement that into the work so for me this is such a wonderful experience just to be able to just to sort of um talk to somebody about this and and find and you know see what you loved about it and hear what the fans liked about it and also and hopefully make it all better going forward so thank you for having me on here it's an honest honest it's a it's a pleasure this was a lot of fun i don't think i can talk anymore and <laughs> and i know my wife had to make dinner and she was not planning on that so uh that, i i thank her as well but this was this was absolutely so much fun man thank you so much awesome thank you and if people want to see more of ryan's work we've got uh super massive coming uh, i went to my comic book shop today it's it's next week, right? It's February twenty third. Is that next week? Yeah, next week. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's the twenty third, and then Rogue Sun comes out the week after that. Yeah. Oh, I'm really excited for that. It's a lot of fun, man. We had a lot of fun writing it, and uh, yeah, it's it's been cool. I got to read Supermassive. So oh, you I got, did? Oh, I, good. I got, I got an advance. It, it's freaking awesome. I I yeah. love the hell out of it. So I wrote the Waffle House joke. So I'm very proud of that. Awesome. Like as someone who grew up in the South and uh, uh, ate at Waffle House many a time, I, yep. I really appreciate that. And so. People are like, what are they talking about? But yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Ryan. Thank you so much. That was awesome. That was a lot of fun. Thank you, man. You've been listening to the Ranger Command Power Hour only on the Four Eyed Radio Network. You can catch a new episode every other Saturday. Find us on the Morphin Grid at www dot rangercommand.com follow us on twitter at rangercommandph like us on facebook and instagram at rangercommandpowerhour ranger command is also on patreon become a patron by pledging as much or as little as you like every month and receive cool perks by pledging you are helping us make our show even better go to patreon.com slash rangercommandph to learn more Thanks for listening.